Hello everybody and welcome back to the interseason between season 9 and season 10 of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, is Matthew Stogden. Is a sequel the only answer? Yes, we're called Sequelizers, so yes. Fair. Okay, yeah, can't, job's can't, done. Can't fault that. Yep. Thanks for listening everybody, we'll Bye. see you next week. <laughs> that is the answer. Sequels are the answer. Never the question. Welcome <laughs> to Sequelizers. And speaking of being the answer and not the question. It's Tim Maytum. Fight sequel with sequel. What a brilliant doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Delightful. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've done our MCU trilogy. We've done a sequel we'd like to see. So now we're in kind of like the interseason proper, I guess. We're off into the the wild space of anything the, is the possible. Other stuff, anything is possible on Deep the in the thicket of sequels. Exactly. Or non-sequels. Or non-sequels in this case, because this is a first for us. In 150-something episodes and nearly five years of doing this show, yeah, we've never done an episode about one person, focused on one person's career. Yeah. And it took a patron, an executive <laughs> producer, to force us to do it. Because on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the life, career, highlights throughout that career, and filmography of Mr. Donnie Yen. Everybody goes, either... Fuck yes, or who's that? <laughs> get learned. Either way, hope you enjoy the episode. We shall educate you. But before we get to educating you and going through, you know, some of our favourite fight scenes and favourite films and all that kind of stuff and talking about the life and career of Donnie Yen, I mentioned an executive producer picked this episode for us because he went to patreon.com slash sequelizers, went to the highest of the tiers and became an executive producer. And you could join him in the executive producer role like so many others have by going to patreon.com slash sequelizers you can get ad-free episodes you can get early access to episodes you get exclusive merch you get discounts on merch you get all kinds of cool extra bonuses including custom avatars drawn by the one and only mr john scarrett they're then sent to you and can be created in the discord as an emoji as is requested by the eps you you can request it. It doesn't have you don't have to be made an emoji, but you can if you wish. They all have so far, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> of course they have. And yeah, if you would like to do that, you can go to patreon.com slash sequelizers and support us on various different tiers at various different levels. And we appreciate every single one of you who does that. You make this show possible. You made especially the MCU trilogy that we've just finished possible. And of course you make the long twelve episode seasons and everything we're doing, including live streams the Discord, new merch, all that kind of stuff you can expect to grow here in 2022. Yeah, and they make the show free for those who can't afford it. Exactly. Which is another great little bonus. Exactly. Well, those in particular who support us the most are the executive producers, and they are James McDowell. Force is with me, and I am with the Force. Josh van der Sluis. And I fear nothing for all this, as the Force wills it. Josh Miles. I'm one with the force, the force is with me. Michael Belcher. I'm one with the force, the force is with me. Xenos. I'm one with the force, the force is with me. Our two latest executive producers, Mr. Colin Thompson. I'm one with the force, the force is with me. And Philip Morgan. I'm one with the force, the force is with me. And of course, as I mentioned at the top of the show, the man who is forcing us to talk about (laughs) the life and career of Donnie Yen, Mr. Jonathan Firth-Clark. I'm one with the force... 
forces with me. Thank you, executive producers. As we said, you make this show possible. You make this show free for everyone else, and you make all of the live streams and all of the merch and all that kind of cool stuff, all the bonus stuff on top of the usual show possible for us. And we very, very much appreciate your support. So, should we dive in to talk about Donnie Yen? Well, yeah, it's a, it's a weird one to start, because obviously we usually have a bit of a format, a bit of a structure. This is a very strange one, because we don't want to be just dry material. So we have a series of picks. And not just like, you know, the standard picks. There's some interesting recommendations, shall we say, in, in, the, way mm-hmm. we've, in the way we've chosen them. But we'll also give you a bit of background to the individual, his history, his life in cinema and such. And, and that it, he's a huge... And again, if you're one of those individuals who doesn't know who Donnie Yen is, he's a huge superstar. You wouldn't believe he's nearly 60. He's a very, very handsome man. Insanely, insanely. Who got typecast for a long time. Yes. I wanted to jump in straight in. But like, I couldn't believe he was 58 when we looked it up. Yeah. Like, oh, I obviously kind of, you kind of get the feeling like, I know Donnie Yen's been around for ages. I know he was doing, you know, the kind of Hong Kong movies in the, the 90s and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't really put the two together. Like him and Michelle Yao is another example of like, oh yeah, all these amazing like kick-ass people that have just had recent kind of breakouts in the West mm-hmm. have been doing this shit for 40 years and mm. we've just not allowed them to break through and not really <laughs> given the opportunity to come over to the yeah. West and do like English language films and stuff. Mm. And you think like, God, Ming-Na Wen's amazing. God, Michelle Yao's amazing. All the, all these incredible people are like, mm. yeah, they're all like 60. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and And if you can think of some really interesting... Late 20th century, shall we say, if you want to say that sort of <laughs> phrasing, uh, martial artists, I say like Michelle Yao and uh, Colin Chow and Jet Li and Tony Leung. It's like he's worked with them all and done a fucking amazing job every single time. He's a standout individual and insanely, insanely talented. Not just that, oh, like he's really, really pretty and, you know, he can do these uh, roles despite being an old man. Isn't it great? It's like, yeah, but it's not just that. He, ha- he is an insanely, insanely talented individual. So fr- from a young age, Donnie Yen, pushed largely by his mother, weirdly enough, you're going to learn how to fight from like eight or nine onwards. You're going to be like literally trained like a warrior effectively, but also learn to be a pianist. He's like a really well-trained pianist, which is, I think there's a quote from him saying like, People say, like, the fingers of a, a pianist, but then you see mm. the fist and think, oh, no, there's a lot of power behind that <laughs> shit. Has he, ever, has he ever played the piano in a film? Yes. Um, Return of... Um, Chen Shen, I think it's... Yeah, he has at one point. I have to track that down. Yeah. I feel he's... like that would be a, a powerful experience watching yeah. Donnie Yen play the piano. Yeah. He's, he's, he's damn good. And I don't mm. mean, like, just like, you know, oh, he can, you know... Plonk along a tune. Exactly. No, he's, <laughs> he's, he's actually incredibly capable. And then... His sort of start was in the 80s. And in the 80s, I, I, I'm not I'm definitely not blaming, but we, we talked about through, I bet you will, through Shanghai Nights. Yes. We were talking about the career roughly of, of uh, Jackie Chan, if you heard our, our outtakes in the, uh, on the Patreon. Mm-hmm. Another uh, incentivization to go listen to that. The rise of Jackie Chan really pushed, and Sammo Hung as well, I think, really mm. pushed the comedy angle. Mm. So the sort of classic Kung Fu, as, as people in Hong Kong might have seen it, that sort of film wasn't nearly as popular. So it was mostly big comedy stuff. Even like Police Story, mm. which is very difficult, has that element of... Um, Just a lightness of touch yeah, to it, rather than the kind of to it all. serious... Yeah. You it, know. It's not all dour. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so he, was, he did... A, his, his start was in comedy. His mm. first couple of roles were comedy. And I think he was in America at one point, and he said, "No, no, no! I need to. We need to really bring this back." And um, 
just reinvent what kung fu means to people mm. and did their i think his definition was just do a series of action films in the 90s mm-hmm. um which then gave rise to a lot of period films and him appearing like you know once upon a time in china mm-hmm. two opposite jet lee um and other bits and pieces and i think there's a very clear early trajectory for him if you think of like Shaolin Drunkard and Drunken Tai Chi and Mismatched Couples. Mismatched Couples especially. Mismatched Couples is very, very heavy comedy stuff. You'd never know from the name. <laughs> no, Tim, it's a comedy. <laughs> you think it's a raunchy thriller. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Yeah, then he transitions to uh, Tiger Cage and In the Line of Duty 4. And again, he, this starts to cultivate this persona of this stoic, aloof guy who turns up doesn't say much, kicks a lot of ass kind of thing. And he's like, that, that was what he got sort of typecast as for a very long time. So when he finally was in, um, I think it was a combination of things, but when he was in, um, let me see, it would have been Dragon Inn and Once Upon a Time in the Two and then Iron Monkey, which we'll go back to later. Um, these are something with more period drama sort of stuff. And Jet Li with obviously Once Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time in China, there was like, no, 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 this is what they could be. They could be these really big sprawling epics. Mm-hmm. And sort of changed the face of it. And he was there. He was part of that whole rise. And yet, I think for a lot of people in English-speaking nations, I don't think a lot of them really appreciate how pivotal his role has been in all of that. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up Jet Li as well, because I think he's almost like the other side of the coin for Donnie Yen when they broke through. And like we'll kind of get into our picks and stuff in the second half, as we often do throughout the season kind of stuff. Yeah. But that moment in Hero where... You have the pair of them, like that fight in Hero with the like the staff versus the sword kind of thing, and the mostly the mind fight where I'm like, yes, just figure out, okay, you're going to have this whole fight in our heads just to do the one move because we know how it's going to end anyway. I, I used it as a reference. I talked about it on the show, yeah, yeah, like years ago. It feels like years ago at this point. <laughs> Time is a flat circle. We're in a pandemic, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, I was like, oh, what is that film where they don't have a fight and the fight is actually in their head, but it's still really fucking good and like amazingly choreographed, like. It's Jet Li versus Donnie Yen from from Hero. <laughs> like it's it's an all time great fight in my mind because it it's such a cool concept and it's been borrowed so many times. I'm sure it's not the first to do it. I'm sure there's some you know 60s or 70s martial arts oh, yeah. I've never seen and all that kind of stuff. Definitely. But, but that, it did in a certain way though, and it broke through the both of them into the Western world as well. Like mm-hmm. Jet Li brought on Donnie Yen as the bad guy to be like, no, I need Donnie Yen in this. Like I've worked with him before. He's amazing. He finally mm, needs yeah. to get his shot and all this kind of stuff. And I feel like Jet Li really kind of became the guy for a while because pretty much ever since Bruce Lee, and we'll touch on Bruce Lee as well because you mentioned the return of Chen Zhen and all that kind of yes, stuff. Yes, exactly. Fist of Fury and all that kind of stuff ties into Jet Li and Donnie Yen as well. Mm-hmm. Bruce Lee played that character in Fist of Fury and Jet Li played him in the 90s. Then they did a TV series kind of spin-off-y kind of version of that where Donnie Yen played him and then they did a film sequel to the TV series where Donnie Yen played him again and kind of like reprised the role. And he's kind of this really iconic character in Chinese cinema because it's the whole Japan versus China thing. It was my introduction. I remember watching the original Fist of Fury. Like I've said before, I've grown up on martial arts films and cowboy films yeah, and all that yeah. kind of stuff with my dad. I was like, wait, Japanese people don't like Chinese people? The Chinese <laughs> people don't like Japanese people? I had no idea that was the thing. <laughs> no. I assumed everything, everybody gets along great and there's no issues here kind of thing. Like I'm a kid. I have no yeah. idea. Yeah, of course. And there's that moment, there's the whole, like, you know, kicking him while he's down and all the Japanese policemen and the, sort of like the end of, a, like, a 50-year-old movie, the firing squad and that whole thing. And I was like, 
holy shit, that's a lot of, that's some heavy stuff. Like, I didn't realize you could get so, I was watching it for like, oh, cool, kicks and punches and stuff. And exactly, it suddenly yeah. had this political element. Mm-hmm. And my dad was talking about that whole thing. And my dad's a huge Bruce Lee fan. And he then went on to become a Jet Lee fan and a Donnie Yen fan and all this kind of yeah. stuff. And he then introduced me to the 90s version. And we watched a couple of episodes of the TV show. And I was like, this is very different. <laughs> this is very different. It's a, it's a completely different kind of like, it does take itself seriously, but there is that kind of comedy element to it because it's a TV show, because it's working with a lower budget, well, relatively, considering it's 20 years later. Yeah, of course. But like, there was this weird moment where I was watching it and I was like, I don't know if I'm enjoying this or not. I can't really tell. I like the action, but I don't think I'm fully following what's going on. And then years later, like I'm in my 20s at this point, I watched the film sequel, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the return of Chen Zhen. And I was like, Donnie Yen's fucking great. And yeah, that was kind of yeah. my like reintroduction to him because I'd seen him as a kid in a couple of things. Uh, I think I'd seen probably seen like Tiger Cage and a couple of other bits and pieces, mm-hmm. having no idea who any of these actors are let alone like the non-English speaking actors and stuff like that. Well, classically, you would have, I imagine, got a hold of whatever you get a hold of. It's not a sense of like, um, oh, I'm going to And it was my dad getting a hold Precisely. of that. I, I don't even, yeah. you know, we would have gone to the... With a DVD or VHS? Whatever the blockbuster equivalent was yeah. at the yeah. time. <laughs> so it's been DVD. Uh, this, this was VHS when I was really oh, young. Shit. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then DVD sort of, you know, when I, yeah. around about the time of Hero in the like early 2000s was yes. when we obviously swatched, yeah. switched to DVD as as the rest of the world did, I guess. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was definitely watching like martial arts VHSs mm-hmm. and like whatever was on that Sky channel that showed exclusively cowboy movies. The one above that was martial arts movies. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, whatever was on at the time and my dad would just flick over and be like, right, we're watching this thing. I don't know what it is, but there's a, it looks good. Let's just, let's just stick it on. Kind it's of on. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that was very much my introduction. And I had no idea for years that like, I've seen a bunch of Donnie Yen movies that I didn't know I'd seen kind of thing. Yes. And then you realize like coming now through to you know his breakout in the Western world with things like Rogue One him being in fucking Star Wars, like one of the biggest franchises yeah. in the world going through, even talking about Shanghai Nights the other, the other month when mm. we did that as part of the last mm-hmm. season. I was mm-hmm. like, Donnie Yen's in Shanghai Nights. That's so weird. <laughs> like, and a waste. <laughs> yeah. That, that's mm. the other thing as well. You mentioned like him being pigeonholed as this kind of like super stoic, like badass killer kind of character who even if he's like the protagonist he is that kind of cold almost mad max style it's done kind of thing he will say like three words and then big old fight and then yeah you didn't stand a chance and then that and that's the end kind of thing just these like one-liners but yeah he's a weird actor to me because i had there was a 20-year period where i didn't know he existed and then came back and i was like Oh, I've been a fan of yours since I was a kid. I yeah. had no idea. I don't think a lot. I think a lot of people are in a very similar boat. <laughs> if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a there's a problem, especially in the in the West, with a lot of that earlier Hong Kong Chinese action cinema mm-hmm. is still quite difficult to get a hold of. It really is. Yeah, streaming it days. is. And it, you know, you go back to the kind of the 90s, the early 2000s, and it was very much, you know, you'd get. I remember. The Virgin Megastore in Norwich uh, yes, would have like a section of like world cinema and yep. you'd have all the Tartan Asia extreme yeah, yeah. Uh, videos. You'd, you'd get your weird anime and manga in there. You'd get yeah, Matt. <laughs> your weird anime and yeah, your manga. And the regular anime. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Tim um, was getting to it. <laughs> but, it but, but also that at that point, there was less of an appreciation of the diversity of anime and it was very much oh, a focus. Yeah. It was, it was, 
Akira. It was Ghost of the Shell. Ghost of the Shell. Balls. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, even I, I think I feel like even Dragon Ball Z was kind of. It was like, no, that's kid stuff. The thing we have here is the grown up, yes. uh, like oh, fucked up world, shit. world cinema. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly, um, exactly. And then you'd have yeah. a smattering of like kung fu stuff. Mm-hmm. And like Matt said, it's very much like you got hold of what you could get hold of. Yes, um, definitely. And then you would ne- like you'd ha- you'd if you you know for whatever you know if you got a dodgy video or whatever and accidentally recorded over it or something like you will never find that again you know <laughs> and, yes things that passed around in school kind of thing yeah, yeah and there's you know there's stuff that nowadays only exists as like a dodgy vhs rip on daily motion or something like that <laughs> and with the difficulty again when you're dealing with translation you're dealing with stuff that's coming it has you know a, a title in chinese that is then translated and it and it may be given one title in America and another title in the UK. Oh yeah, or like for Bruce Europe films or whatever. Like yeah, yeah. And so there can be a lot of confusion. And if you're looking for those earlier films, you know, both the fact that very few of them are available. You know, there's not there's not a kung fu version of Shudder yet. Yeah, that's a good point. Which you'd think would is kind of one of the few genres that could probably support it. Like you're never going to get a rom com version of Shudder because that's just <laughs> Netflix, you know. Yeah. Um, you need something that's specific and the fan base is uh mm. dedicated enough. Yeah, entirely. That they're going to pay for a whole separate thing. Which I think they. I mean, I know Arrow do a lot of them. There are like eighty eight films, and there are other individuals who do these kind of very niche things at very high cost of restoration. Um, the classic DVD I remember is the. Uh, I think I think it's called the Hong Kong Legends. Remember them being blue cases on DVD. And that was your, like, if you want Jackie Chan films, Jet Li films, Bruce Lee films, here they are. And that, by the way, those, those names are important because Donnie Yen is not among them. Yeah. Um, and there, there are reasons for that. So just, just to, to, to bounce off what Jack was saying, my introduction to Donnie Yen, I thought, was Blade 2. Mm. I was like, mm. oh, that must be the only time I saw him. It's like, no, he's Commander Lan in... Um, once upon a time, China too. Like, yeah. Oh, then I do know him. <laughs> oh shit! And again, as you say, that's true. For, that's that's not like it's a case of like, you know, well, typical little you know teenage dickhead who doesn't really you know tell the difference between all these different people because it's too many. It's like no, no, no. It's a sense of when you're young, you go, oh fuck, that was Al Pacino in that movie. I just had yeah. realized it looks like when he's younger. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. that situation. Where you're like, oh, oh, and people do it now for crying out loud. We're like, oh, did you know? Insert actor's name here. I've done that so many times on this show. Exactly. We go and watch a sequel I didn't know existed, and then I'm like, wait a minute. That's that guy from that thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing from my childhood. Oh, my God. Do you know <laughs> yeah. who, we, uh, who we didn't bring up in our Highlander episode? Donnie Yen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's in End... Endgame. Endgame, yeah. yeah. He's in Endgame, isn't he? <laughs> Everyone's going, who's in Endgame? Not that one. Not that one. <laughs> the other Endgame. Yeah. So so Donnie Yen, as I say, was working on all this stuff, and this one gets interesting in the 90s, because he gets, like, quite a few big roles and quite a bit of prominence and then does arguably the best and worst thing he could do he forms a company oh yeah he created a production company yeah right? yeah in 95 and i think they're producing two or three films and it was like oh hang on we don't have money for that and, and as an independent filmmaker or anyone else who's done this sort of stuff themselves you'll know you have to do everything because it's too expensive to get anyone else to do it. So he suddenly learned, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. Oh, hang on a minute. And this went on to him lead- directing his own film, his, his debut, in fact. The which, Legend of the Wolf. Yeah, yeah, in 97, exactly. But I remember one, I can't remember which film it was, I think it was after that. They couldn't afford a, set, a score. 
basically someone to compose the score. So they got like, um, you know, the, the classic uh, film library of stuff. They could just use hold music, as it were. Uh, it's like, that'll do. We'll get that. It's cheap. We'll get it for like a couple of thousand uh, at the time. Very, very cheap licensing. But from his early start in that classic, you know, pretty boy comedy roles in the 80s to the mid, sorry, mid to late um, 90s, he went to financial ruin. That company nearly sank him. Filed for bankruptcy and all kinds of stuff. Right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Which is, and I, to think about that, and you think, oh, what happened around that sort of time? Well, Jet Li was doing Lethal Weapon 4, so his career was shooting off in America. Jackie Chan was one of the biggest fucking stars in the world. Obviously, yeah, Bruce Lee's dead, so he doesn't really count this point. And there are other, other huge martial arts stars. He wasn't getting that appreciation for his particular uh, role in all. Mm. I just want to drag us off on a tangent from Please, please. You mentioned about like licensing music from like you know, generic libraries and stuff. Yeah. Um, Patrick H. Williams, who's a, a YouTuber who we mentioned, filmmaker and YouTuber, yeah, who yeah. we mentioned several times, he did a series of tweets the other day when he discovered that you could go on Getty Images and license the footage from the Zion rave oh, uh, in wow. The Matrix and Club Hell. And there's like Michael Bay footage on there as well that you can just license to stick in your own film. That's so weird. I know, yeah. Just wanted to bring that up. No, why why aren't we doing this right now? Yeah, <laughs> cut to. We're not paying them. <laughs> no, that, that's the thing about. Um, cut to the sequelizers rave scene. <laughs> <laughs> All stock footage does the same thing. Whenever yeah. you're making anything corporate as well, it's like, oh, that's filmed nicely. No, that's that's stock. <laughs> um, and doesn't again, it doesn't cost as much as you think. But when you want to create something that fits a scene perfectly, you end up, ha- you know, you cut the way you shot it and you did all this sort of stuff. And this is kind of a, a good thing to talk about. I've shot this the way I want to shoot it. I've edited it to go accordingly. And especially with, with, with Kung Fu and the stuff that's in those sort of action films, it has a specific rhythm. You can't really just slot some music onto yeah, it. You, you then edit to the music. Otherwise, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Hmm. So that that's very detrimental, obviously. Yeah, especially with a, like, it's, it's, it's a, a truism at this point, a, a cliche almost, of, like, Kung Fu action and dance are extremely you know there's a reason we call them fight choreographers exactly it's bodies in motion and rhythm is so important you know um jackie chan like kind of hates western editing i think because it's ruined so much so many of his fight scenes in you know stuff where he doesn't have control and then you look at stuff that he's Mm. directed or has has more control over Mm -hmm. and you understand the way that shots are edited the way shots are composed the way people move through the shots it's all about rhythm. It's all about, you know, hitting your mark at the correct time and, yeah. and how the action flows. And music is an incredibly important part of that. And if you're just going like, oh, we've run out of money, just throw some music on there. It's going to be in, mm. in contrast and not in a fun way to no, the action that's going on. Entirely. And there's there's this idea that editing can be used to do one of two things. One is heighten the immersion to make you feel like if you're doing like the Bourne films for example to bring you into that like you feel like you're in it and again a lot of Hong Kong films have done the similar thing with this because it's just so intense how they're so good at their craft they're like oh shit that is kind of I, that was too fast and you show it again and you show it again and you're like yeah he did do that oh my god that's amazing or you use editing to hide the multitude of sins of what the actors can't do. Yes. <laughs> and so we like end the up... Taken franchise, oh, for Taken example. Films. So we see that a lot where it's... Iron like... Fist Netflix series. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. And we see all this all the time of... I, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, guilty of this myself because I think it sometimes works very well. You cut... I, I mean, Kurosawa, and there's 
<laughs> from Hong Kong to Japan here, edits on movement. So if the shot person's moving through the, through the scene, the next shot you see that person, they're already moving. So you're like, oh, it flows naturally in your head. You don't think a, a, a shot is just you closing your eyes. It's just you blinking and looking across the room. That's what you're doing effectively. And if it doesn't feel natural, something feels off. Unless it's intentional. And so what they do is to really make the punch hurt sometimes, or the, the contact, you cut on the punch. So you have the fist coming towards the face, and then you cut to the other side, <laughs> face goes back. And most Hong Kong action, especially the 80s and 90s, didn't do that. It was a free form of... <laughs> and things would just move so intensely. And the camera would just sort of <laughs> glide along, yeah. because it's like, just let them do their shit. Yeah. Same thing with dance choreography. Mm. If they're good, let them fucking dance. Yeah. You don't need to cut, because you want to see what they're capable of. Well, yeah, and, and Jackie Chan, when you did have a cut, with an impact would go so you'd get in the first shot you'd get the person the the, the beginning moment of someone being hit mm-hmm. and then with if you cut to a different shot to show the impact better perhaps the reaction of the person who's been hit sure you'd go back a few frames and so the first mm, three or four frames of that hit again mm. you've you yes. effectively jumped back in time only you know milliseconds but it's enough that the when you're watching it again the eye registers it better whereas if you just cut from one to the other at the exact same moment your brain doesn't register it and, and the, the hits feel weightless exactly um, which is exactly. if you watch a lot of hollywood action if it feels like people aren't really getting hit it's often that minutiae of of editing where it's mm, like you're, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just absolutely. it's happening too quick for your brain to register so it yeah. doesn't feel like it happens and so and at that point they're just hoping the sound design with a yes will be enough to make you go oh shit i got hit yeah yeah exactly <laughs> it's funny how much that kind of hong kong stuff you almost think more about the sound effects oh and yeah, I'm yeah talking true. about like bruce lee and all the kind of like noises he would make as he was like yes throwing kicks and all that kind of stuff and that kind of whoosh, 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 but like air of the fit. No punches actually make that noise. No, the heightened punch sound. is just a dead and just like thump into yeah. flesh. Anyone's been hit knows there is a, like a bit of a, a bit yeah. of a, a bit of a thud. There's no not, like, yeah, big like slapping noise against no. flesh on bone or anything mm. like that. Foley artists with baseball bats just smashing them into yeah. sacks of whatever. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, a, yeah, exactly. All these foley art- must be exhausting being a kung fu foley <laughs> artist back in the seventies and just being. I got five sounds just do over and over. <laughs> <laughs> just just whipping stuff through the air and hoping for the best. Circling back around to to Donnie Yen, actually, the foley in the Blade films is always so good because it's every time Blade hits someone, it sounds like he's breaking about twelve bones in their <laughs> yeah. body. They they Del got, Toro. Yeah, they've got yeah. these great just crunchy hit noises. Yeah. And obviously, you know, Blade 2, Donnie Yen shows up in playing, I believe he's called Snowman. Oh. I, I mean, I, I totally believe you. I don't remember his character's name, but I'll okay. find out now. And it's it's basically a nothing part. It's just him being cool correct. with Snowman. a katana and some, and some eyeshadow on. And he looks fucking great. You don't need more in a Blade movie. It's true. Your katana and eyeshadow, yeah. that's all you need, mm. baby. But early 2000s, he started doing quite a few roles in western cinema in, in hollywood he did and that was largely down to the bankruptcy that he entirely done. yeah and that's the thing it was like well, what do i have to do now i've got to make some money i've got to go to america basically before we get to that let's do a little thing here shall we talk about the quintessential donnie yen films for us the films we think of we think donnie yen because obviously quite like the first film was really tricky to answer because it's like 
what's the first one you saw Donnie Yen in? What's your first? Because mm. we usually do that, don't we? Like, as Jack was saying earlier, like, mm. what's your association? What, like, what's your history with the franchise? Yeah. What's your history with this? Mm. Precisely. Thing? Yeah, but yeah. because it's an actor, it's like, oh, well, technically, it was this one advert I saw for hemorrhoid cream when I was like four <laughs> subliminally, and like, oh yeah, don't I guess Brian Cranston out like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, there you go. But it's like, I guess it's probably Malcolm in the Middle. I was like, yeah, but do you remember from that? No, that's that's how it is. So rather than do that, Power Rangers for the record. Oh, that makes complete sense. For Cranston, it's Power Rangers. Yes, yeah, that's fair. Always. But having said that, um, so what we're gonna do instead is is literally just name a film each that we're like, this is the film we think of when we think Donna Yen. Basically, it's like that's that's his movie. So I think for me, the sort of uh, the the role I always think of with Donna Yen is rather obviously probably the same for a lot of people because again it's not a lot of these things are about distribution we talked about earlier about what you can get a hold of on video and dvd Mm. what's available and even now trying to get an entire body of work on like blu-ray is really difficult because of distribution stuff Mm. and it's going to get even harder because of enter politics hello china and hong kong and their whole relationship and things the censorship rules of china will eke into the hong kong cinema it's like oh god and Mm. all that sort of stuff so, you know, it's it's hard to get a hold of. But for me, one of the big ones was, must have been, it was 2002 when the film was made. It didn't really get out to America and stuff uh, through Miramax and, and by extension England and the rest of the UK until I think 2004 thereabouts. And I'm convinced I saw it in America. And that's Hero. Mm. The uh, Zhang Yimou mm. film Hero, which is, which is, I should point out, a stunning movie. Yep. Oh, yeah, agree. A masterpiece. It really is. We touched on it when we talked about Crouching Tiger and we did. terrible sequel. <laughs> how good Hero is in comparison to exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's such a it's such a glorious film. The Rashomon style storytelling of multiple perspectives, the use of colour to highlight and accentuate that. The fact that it has some of the biggest and most badass fucking names involved in it. It's Men- just Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's such an astonishingly good film. And it's a redemption. We, we'll cover this much more. Uh, a little later on but the idea that at this point Donnie Yen's kind of been out in the thickets and, and filed for bankruptcy as we just established and it's like he has to come back he has mm. to be big and and enough of these sort of uh, favours and friends have been called in say like no this man is good get him help him He's, you know that that's the industry lifting up and there was literally Jet Li being like yeah. I, need, I need Donnie Yen Donnie Yen is amazing I've worked with him before exactly bring him over let's fucking yeah. do it and I, I, I would recommend Hero to somebody, but I mean, my, a friend of mine who doesn't particularly like, in inverted commas, foreign films. Is it Jonathan well, Firth Clark? It's not foreign oh, films. Okay. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> the antithesis. Oh, that would be funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's just, but he, he, whenever I say there's a really good film or a really uh, great fight scene or it looks really pretty, he will say, but is it as good as Hero? Because <laughs> that's I, his standard. Yeah, when I introduced wow. it to him, he's like, it's it's like it's that the one big international film that he knows effectively. And he's, like, he's like, no, that's so good. And I'm like, yeah, and it still holds up t- literally twenty, 20 years, years later. later yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's so beautiful. Um, but I think again, it gets overlooked quite a lot, which is quite frustrating and tragic. But I'm gonna say, I know you guys know it. actually. I know, but Jack loves it through and through. Mm. You've seen it, haven't you, Tim? You oh yeah, it. yeah. I, I, saw, I, I saw it in the cinema. That's what I'm saying. I, I was yeah. going to think I, one of those things where I think it's one of those unifying experiences. We talk about you know what's the film you think of as the quintessential. It's like yeah, because it's a lot of people's introduction mm. in this country I, and our I, age. I'm trying to think how it would have played out because it came out so it it came out the same year as Blade Two, but it didn't get released in Western 
cinema. Yeah, it was championed by championed by Quentin Tarantino, I believe. Yeah, I think he was very much pushing Miramax to say like, "Get this, yeah, it's good." And it was also slightly coming on the tail of Crouching Tiger, which we obviously That's mentioned, That's which was ninety nine, two thousand and one, two thousand and one. Yeah. So okay, so yeah. yeah, right, right after it, so it would have been surfing on the wave of that po- popularity suddenly and the kind people of... know what wuxia is and yes. Yes. oh my yes. god yeah and then you had um house of flying daggers shortly yep. after that yep. as well another great film um we well, other show it was 2004 so that would have been the same this was got released in yeah. 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 yeah yeah um so i'm trying to remember if i would have seen that in the cinema or because i, I saw blade 2 on dvd or possibly vhs at the time so i i'm not sure which i would have seen first which would probably have been my introduction to to Donnie Yen because I my don't I don't have the rooting in uh, in kind of Hong Kong cinema that that mm. uh, Jack and and you do Matt yeah, yeah um, so I think that would have been my first exposure to so so to me he was just another guy who's great at fighting yeah who's this cool motherfucker exactly yeah, yeah. um but yeah I remember seeing Hero in the cinema and just being like whoa yeah um, I, I remember that your orgasm noise <laughs> it's my ghost kung fu, it's my kung, kung fu, fu orgasm, orgasm noise. Noise. yeah, yeah. It's also Tim's villain laughs. You can never tell he's up to no good or real good. (laughs) I remember I had a screening because this is the first year of me starting to do um, the red right hand. I've got it. Yeah, reviewing (laughs) films exactly, and I saw Hero in the cinema in the states and um, House of Flying Daggers. I think like a month or two at a very early screen later, Mm. and I was like, holy crap. This the same director? How, it's like, well, actually, there's like, obviously the internet was in a weird. It's it, internet was obviously around. It was a fledgling yeah. state. I think IMDb did exist at this time, yeah. but it was really quite fledgling. Still um, had its message boards, which were awful. Oh, oh yeah, God. toxic trash. Um, but you know, days before Facebook and things, o- officially, officially, uh, outside of universities. But yeah, so so it was it was a really. I yeah, it was a really, really important, impactful experience. I think because it wasn't. I, I'd seen a lot of kung fu films, but this felt. And again, this thing. You, if anyone's any seen any Zhang Yimin films, it it feels high art. And I don't want to sound dismissive of other, you know, sort of low budget, gritty kung fu movies at all in the slightest. But this felt like it's so pristine, and it was a massively expensive it's, movie. It's reaching for more in the same way yeah, that Crouching yeah. Tiger is. You know where yes. it's. You know, which is not to say that you can't have a smaller budget kung fu film that also has themes and stuff like that beyond, mm. you know, honor is important. Yeah, entirely. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, don't give up. Yeah. Um, Do your best. Exactly. Um, yeah. But Hero, yeah, like you say, it's got an ambitious structure. It's got the the just the lushness of the look of it. The production mm. design is mm. astonishing. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's also a good gateway if you, if Crouching Tiger was a little too woosha for you, because there's there's just an element, a, just a touch more grounding in Hero, hmm. it, in that it has. If you think of things like, I mean, there's 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 the grandiosity to it. There's this beauty and elegance and everything that's all there. Hmm. The discussion of I I know you're a good sword fighter because I've seen your calligraphy, that kind yeah. of shit. But at the same time, the wire work is different. Hmm. It's it. So if you're like, why are they fucking running through trees? It's like. Uh, okay yeah. if you're not on board with that sort of stuff which fuck you um, <laughs> but yeah hero feels like another gateway like we'll try this one instead ah mm. now go back and watch it ah yeah. have an appreciation that kind of thing and then i feel like and this is going off i haven't watched house of flying daggers in a while possibly mm-hmm. since i saw it around that period or, yeah. or, or sort of thing but it feels like house of flying daggers is then 
a step up in wuxia it is yeah yeah and it's it's, it's a bit more it's more stylized yeah um and also a really solid film yeah i think it's really pretty and entertaining as well i think again but a, a lot uh a lot more uh deliberately paced yes yes entirely and it's got those fucking awesome knives the yeah, flying daggers, the flying daggers. yes so again i think i think the truth is that for us Hero would be the answer for all of us. <laughs> but for the purposes of diversity and different answers and things and bits pieces, I'm about to my boy, Tim Mater. Tim. Well, I'm going to go for kind of what is the definitive Donnie Yen franchise. Very, very much so. 100%. This um, is the one, like, Hero is the, like, obvious. For like, our age group as oh, well. Yeah, that, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. When I think of Donnie Yen being like the main character and being mm. a fucking badass this yeah. is the franchise yeah. tim has nailed it uh neck to floor in black and just like yeah look at this motherfucker <laughs> so cool which is ip man oh yeah yep. fucking love the ip man series which people who aren't familiar it is based on a true story of the of a wing chung practitioner in uh 30s and 40s uh starts off in china then moves to hong kong and he went on to found some of the most important Wing Chun academies uh, and taught Bruce Lee. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. famously. Yeah. But famously was known as the guy who taught Bruce Lee, basically. Yes. For those yeah. of you who, like, weren't aware of... That was the significance. Like, yeah, that was yeah. the significance, exactly. Until these films came around and it was like, oh, he was amazing too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. He's not just the bloke who taught Bruce Lee. Yeah. yeah. He has a whole incredible story and yeah. He's yeah. almost like a folk tale. Yeah. In terms of he, legend. It's, it's, and you know, there's a lot of fictionalization happening in these oh, films because well, there's yeah. now four or five of them. Five, five of them. Yeah. yeah. There's four and a spin-off. Okay. Because there's yeah. Master Z, the spin-off of Master Z yeah. spin-off, which is the Tony Jaa spin-off mm-hmm. one of they're all good as well, which is mad. Yeah. All four Ip Man films are really, really good. <laughs> and, and I don't say this lightly. Remember when we Ooh. talked about favorite trilogies and all that kind of stuff? Oh. I, was, I was bringing up like the Planet of the Apes trilogy is the underrated gem. You guys are sleeping on Dawn, Rise and War. You, you need to fucking see mm. the, the Apes trilogies. I'm putting Ip Man, the, the quadrilogy, the main four, on a similar pedestal to the Apes trilogy. Mm-hmm. I think they are modern fucking classics, and you are missing out if you haven't watched at least the first three. I think four is fantastic as well. Yeah. I, th- yeah. I think it's either three or four people aren't keen on. I think Mike Tyson's in three, which is like... Mm. Three has moments. Yeah. Yeah, I think three is the weakest of the four, but they're all fantastic. Mm. And the first one, I think, is like one of the all-time great martial arts films. Like, full stop, end of story. And yeah. The fact that it was just like, the bloke who taught Bruce Lee. Like, really? Okay. And then this is yeah. just a fucking masterpiece. Yeah. And he's not the only one who's done it. Because, I mean, uh, uh, Wong Kar Wai directed a movie with Tony Leung called yes. The Grandmaster. So yeah. yes. it's, it's not just like, and The oh, Grandmaster's fucking great it's as great, well. It's great, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those things like, if you want to play this role, you better fucking come heavy. And, yeah, and, and Donnie yeah. Yen has defined it for most yep. people. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, like you said, it, there's almost a folkloric quality mm. to it. And... And like I say, obviously there's an amount of fictionalization and exaggeration and, and blending characters together to make the story, you know, work as a story as opposed yeah. to a, a real life. But he does feel so larger than life for a real and and, and not in Donnie Yen's performance. It's a very, you know, subdued, stoic, as we said, Donnie Yen performance. Um Which was apparently true of the real guy. Oh yeah, like you can totally imagine. Kind of like yes. Very like 
I'm just here to kick your ass. I Isn't, don't really yeah. The classic line is, I'm just a Chinese man. I'm just a yeah. Chinese man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 But yeah, so the first film deals with him during the Japanese invasion. Yes. In 19, I want to say 35. Start of the Sino War. Yeah, 34, yeah. 35, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Which obviously then kind of became wrapped up in World War Two as well. Yeah. Um, and the, you know, the Japanese occupation of, of parts of China. Ip Man and his family's life under that and the way that he's forced to fight sort of he's falls into pot starts off as this very prosperous martial arts master in an area and it's such a cool like the fact that this really happened and isn't just like the premise to an anime where you have (laughs) it's also a premise to an anime. it's also yeah (laughs) you have a street that's just filled with martial arts schools and the people would come out into like the the courtyard or sort of the the the, the square area, and you just have these rival schools of martial arts masters all mm-hmm. like practicing yeah. out there and like eyeing each other up. <laughs> and then at the like a few roads down, you just have Ip Man, who's the best fighter in town, but doesn't have a school. He's just like, no, I'll fi- I'll fight your masters if you want to, but it'll be private and no oh. one will know who wins. Oh. And uh, uh, because I'm not involved in all of that. So cool. So good. The moment where he walks in and they're like, we we take on some black belts. And he was like, no. What you you can take out like three black belts? No. Give me ten black belts. Yeah. (laughs) And that fight scene is raid levels of oh, brutal it's and insane so brutal. the the splits he makes that guy do and then oh pulls his leg up and it makes oh. his knee go backwards and he's just snapping arms and kicking dudes <laughs> and the kicks connect with those poor guys yeah. faces donnie yen is kicking these fucking dudes in the <laughs> this head is, this is the thing we'll come back to this later in other bits and pieces uh where we'll get to things like flashpoint and stuff but the fights just look real. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about like cutting away on the things like high. What they can do is like you just murking motherfuckers. So, some, sometimes we get this moments in wrestling where it's like, yeah, actually hit that guy. Yeah. Oh no, now they're actually fighting and it's called shooting in martial arts mm. where like suddenly you go from like oh you go from wrestling to shoot martial mm. arts. You're like they're actually punching and kicking and trying mm. to choke each other out and the referee will try and like yeah. stop them or something like that. Does does somebody need to tell some of these kung fu people that like it's a film? You you can you know you can not kick them square well, in the face stuff, right? Well, but, like, it's the thing of like even if they're both going in, going like yeah, okay, you're going to kick me in the chest, I'm going to fall backwards, great. But you think no matter how much preparation and how expert, and I'm sure that you know stunt people are astonishing, like the, what they can do, and you give know the Oscars now, please. Yep. Yes, exactly. Um, but you do think like. There's a limit to how much you can like absorb an impact or like have padding or stuff. Yeah. Especially when it's like blows to the head or yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. or you're seeing like arms being like yanked around and stuff, and you're like, at a certain level, even with all the preparation in the world and with both of them going in and having run through it in rehearsals, you're still just kicking a dude in the face. And, still then, and then I see and, around, and then yeah. I see his head smash through a table, and I know it's not like a table table, it's a prop <laughs> table, but it's still an object. Yeah. yeah. It's going through a thing yeah that isn't the air yeah <laughs> um yeah i always think of this is a complete thing mm-hmm. uh there's a episode of firefly where they're busting into a place and shepherd book shoots a dude in a kneecap and on the way the guy falls over and on the way down whacks his head on like a it's like a metal stretcher or something yeah, yeah. and i always just i look at that and i go how do you do that and it not just hurt yeah how do you not break yourself <laughs> yeah and the answer is you you obviously train for these things but shit happens you 
so many people get really, really badly injured by this. We talked about about Jackie Chan. The we amount did, of broken yeah. bones and times that guy has nearly died. Granted, a lot of his stuff is like diving off of buildings and stuff and not necessarily being kicked in the chest and True. kicked in the face, but that certainly doesn't help. Mm. And these guys get beaten up a lot. You hear like interviews with stunt actors and people who have worked with all these, like take, take Bruce Lee, Jet Li, Sammo Hung, who I, I want to talk yes. about in a second because he's amazing in it, man, too. Uh, yeah. uh, like all these incredible people that have been able to and, and Samo I think is a perfectly good example comparing to Donnie Yen because they both also kind of broke out in the West through b- becoming choreographers they weren't stars but they know martial arts better than anyone else to be like hey Westerners here's how you do fighting on camera this is how you move this is how you kick a guy without actually kicking the guy you know kick him 70% and it looks amazing you kick him 8% you're going to knock him out so just let's just dial it back a bit and like their expertise coming from the Hong Kong style and being able to then, you know, we talked about the Matrix so much. We've just had a new Matrix film a, few, a couple of weeks ago, essentially, yep. at this point. And that, the the slow-mo martial arts style is so influenced by all the amazing Kung Fu stuff and all the, like, I know Kung Fu and that whole thing. I still know Kung Fu as he says in it, Resurrections. If you see Resurrections, you'll know that there's not a lot of that stuff <laughs> in that an, movie. That's an actual line in the movie. I still know Kung Fu. But yeah, the, the fact that it has, has kind of permeated and it was people like Donnie Yen choreographing these things behind the scenes. He choreographed a load of fights in Blade 2. We talked about him being in Blade 2. He was also key to making those fights and you mentioned how good the fights are Tim. How amazing they are. And Ip Man is like fucking P. I think it's the perfect kind of blend of this like modern. It's the modernization of the classic kind of Kung Fu style because you go through a lot of the kind of 70s bruce lee stuff and it does feel a bit 70s it, it has dated in a lot of ways and as incredible as bruce lee was as like physically charismatic as he is mm-hmm. they're often you mentioned terrible vhs rips or there's bad dubs or whatever or this kind of stuff yeah, yeah. if you want to get into something that is like the modern kung fu film it man is a fucking great place to start like it is definitively good Donnie Yen and definitively good Kung Fu, in my opinion, as well. Mm. Well, the, the the great thing about Ip Man, is, one of the great things about Ip Man, is that it gives you such a variety of styles, but that all feel consistent. Because mm. you get that fight against the Ten Black Belts, which is when he's being forced to fight by the Japanese uh, sort of general or uh, yeah. colonel or whatever yep. he is. And takes on 10 black belts and and just wrecks shop um and it's it's a really brutal like we say it's, it feels like a precursor to the raid or something like that where it's just bones being broken and 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 stuff like that but then you also have these other fights where it's him in a more respectful situation and it's these much more elegant almost kind of brushing up against wuxia kind of Mm-hmm. sort of gentlemanly fights between masters and so you get that blend of a much more kind of like formal kung fu and a much more just oh no i'm just like this is a the, an expression of our grace and our training and our discipline yeah whereas here i'm just trying to hurt these people yeah. um it's a great it, it navigates all those spaces in between because it, it man goes on such a journey in that film Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I, I touched on Simon Hung, and I'm, I'm glad you touched on the kind of blending of the two styles there, Tim, because that is so key, specifically with the fight. Again, it's a fight with masters, funnily enough, in It Man 2. And Samo is like the final boss, basically, of all these things. Yeah. And uh, It Man is essentially like 
gracefully defeating all of these guys and just proving he is so much better than by just blocking everything yeah. and then doing like a little touch to the neck and they're like thank you for showing me mercy at man he's like cool next guy and it's all done on this like balancing board table thing and the way they like bounce and slide around and like it's almost like this seesaw thing and they're springboarding against mm-hmm. each other very clearly on wires like yeah. there's no yeah. there's no bullshit about this it's very clearly like wuxia style they are just floating about and mm. in these impossible kicks and then they go in with this really close wing chun style which is the like elbows and blocks and stuff mm. uh five inches from your face two inches one inch from your face mm, oh my god yeah. they're like right up in each other's faces and they will say like good punch and then carry on fighting <laughs> and then as they back away the thing is like shifting and moving in this almost like ethereal kind of crouching tiger kind of way and you get a guy like Samo hung who is not small and graceful as, mm. a, as amazing as Samo is he is not the smallest man in the world no he's a beefy boy yeah he's a beefy boy as a fellow beefy boy i appreciate Samo, mm-hmm. and he is like floating around he like leaps onto the table from a stool by flipping one stall onto the top of another stall and then balancing on a single leg <laughs> and then jumping across. And it's like, I mean, that guy weighs like 18 stone. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's not get silly here. But like, you totally believe it because he's this like graceful, amazing master taking on it, man. Mm-hmm. And they have this brilliant fight. And I'm, I'm going to spoil the ending of just this one fight, not the whole movie. They're so equally balanced. The table snaps in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's the perfect balance of these two masters. Like, Ip Man and Master Hong mm. cannot defeat each other. And there's just this like, ultimate moment of respect. And the fucking table breaks. And like, <laughs> then no one can get the upper hand. And it's like this brilliant blend of the two styles. It's amazing. And this is the key thing here, because in, in Hero, for example, Donnie Yen's thing is that he has a staff. Mm. Um, and he, in other films works with an array of weapons mm. and obviously we see him with guns and swords and knives and all kinds of things and it man obviously mostly it's fists mm. and close quarters martial arts and stuff and it's that level of dedication that he brings to all these projects and and, and the fact that when he did the Ip man stuff he was training with ip chun who is i think the eldest son of ip man or yes. surviving mm, son yeah. um and he's like yeah no i su-, and he gave it full approval it's like no i support this guy because he's dedicated mm. to the role and it's not just a sense of like oh i'm going to be playing this role i'm going to do my own version of imitator it's like no 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 i am capable in all these things through and through in mm. terms of yeah his ability mm. and also we talked a lot obviously about his like fighting capability i do want to highlight his his actual performance i was just thinking mm. the same thing we've in... talked about the fight so much yeah to give credit to the man as an actor as well yeah um because his performance in it man is great and we said he's kind of been uh typecast as this very kind of stoic figure mm. and i think that does run through a lot of his performances mm. and he's not he's very he's very opposite to for example jackie chan where yeah, i never feel yeah. like donnie yen is particularly an underdog in any fight it's it's no no, I, no. it's more like i'm just waiting for him to get pissed off enough to unleash <laughs> his fury yeah um i think that's what separated jackie chan and bruce lee right yes bruce yeah. lee is the badass yeah whereas jackie chan you feel like he's getting away by the skin of his teeth exactly he does that dodge through the ladder or dive through a yeah. window that he just gets away and he's and always then, a little bit surprised and he kicks that guy whereas bruce lee is murdering dudes with nunchucks <laughs> yeah 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 um pure self-confidence yeah, yeah yeah but there's moments in it man where i was particularly struck by moments early on in it where it's about it man's relationship with his wife and yeah. how she just kind of wants a regular life and he just 
to to start with before the Japanese invasion, he's living in this house and he's this revered martial artist, but he doesn't want anything to do with all these rivalries in the schools and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. And people just keep showing up at the house being like, <laughs> I want to challenge you. And he's like, I'm having dinner, but okay. And there's a sort of an almost uh, sitcom dad, henpecked husband kind of slight <laughs> energy that he brings to it yeah. where he's just like, these little looks to his wife for approval and, and registering her displeasure and being kind of like, uh, okay, we'll, uh, we, we won't damage the furniture. I know he has done some comedy stuff. It yes. makes me really intrigued to see what he's like in comedy because there is a, there's a, a, a lightness to him in those moments that mm. is, is really interesting to see as someone who I'm so used to him being just kind of like, no, this is serious business. Um, yeah. And the other, the other like performance I want to just highlight from the first Ip Man mm. is um, uh, Fan Su Wong as uh, Shan Zhao, oh, um, yeah. who is essentially like this northerner, rough and tumble guy who first shows up wanting to start a school and beats everyone else in the town, but mm. then can't beat Ip Man, and then shows up again later following the Japanese occupation and he's become a bandit and he's kind of shaking down businesses for money and again gets his ass handed to him by it man yeah. um but he's just got such great like lieutenant baddie energy because oh, yeah. he's not the ultimate bad <laughs> he's not he doesn't work for the like ultimate bad guy in it man but he's he's got that great secondary villain energy um i i was really impressed by him and he hasn't done a huge amount else like mm. he's done a lot of like bit parts and and smaller stuff yeah um and i i would yeah, I, 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 he just impressed me in that film of just mm. such a different energy to Donnie Yen in that film, um, and and really great. Yeah, Jack, anything more to say about it, man, or should we move on to your? I could talk about it, man, all day. Too. I know, I know, you could. <laughs> I fucking love it, man. Go and watch it, man, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I know some of them were on Netflix. They, are, I believe, at the moment They're they on are Prime Video. All I think on UK Netflix. They're on UK Netflix. Okay, mm. good, good. Um, yeah, but obviously that can change. I. I don't own them all on Blu-ray yet because <gasps> I'm I want the box set that just doesn't exist yet, it seems. <laughs> and it really pisses me off. Put Ip Man in the Criterion collection. I mean I want to pay like <laughs> I want it for seven ninety nine. Yeah, well, yeah. I, want, I want all the features and I want tons of cool stuff and I don't want to pay a hundred pounds. <laughs> but sweet box set, Matthew. You've paid a hundred pounds for sweet box sets before. Yeah, fuck you, you Criterion. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go a lot more modern. Even sure. more modern than It Man, which was 2008. I'm going to, of course, talk about one of my favorite films of the last, well, 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite Star Wars films, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Which, let's face it, is also when people, that, at the top of the show, Jack, you were like, Donnie Yen, he's in Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that oh, guy. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. This, is, is... this is the crossover between people who like Kung Fu stuff and Arguably the mainstream. And and he's an interesting character in Rogue One because a lot of people would kind of be in a similar situation to me when I was a kid and do that thing you just said. I was like, oh, yeah, that guy. What's yeah. his name? <laughs> You're like, the, the blind guy does the, the forces with me. He's got the yeah. stick. He's with his big, his big mate. Yeah. The guy with the gun. Beats, right. up, beats up the stormtroopers. He beats up the stormtroopers <laughs> with a stick. Yeah. You're talking about Chirrut Imwe, of course. Mm. Everybody's, favorite, everybody's favorite Star Wars character. <laughs> the Guardian of the Wills. Doesn't mean anything. That's the thing George Lucas wrote in like 1977 and just on a napkin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like that was one of the original titles of the of Star Wars. I think it was like Star Wars and blah 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 and the 
still and the lost books of the wills or something mm, like that. I, I think this is back when he it's was Lobo from my shows. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is back when he was doing like, I'm gonna make a dune and yeah. it's gonna have all this stuff. And it's like the first thing I need to have is all this fucking terminology. And it's like, um, and they just keep bringing that stuff back in the Clone Wars and the Disney Plus shows and all the. Since Disney has basically wiped the extended universe <laughs> yeah. out of existence for Star Wars mm. and built their own new history, new legacy, they, we've now got High Republic stuff and Old Republic stuff and all this kind of yeah new history of Star Wars. Essentially, I find Chirrut Imwe such an interesting character because. He's so focused on the spirituality of the Force. Mm. And there's something that is really, really not talked about in the Skywalker saga. Mm. It's just like, yeah, it's good versus evil, and I guess he's the chosen one. It's like, chosen by who? For what and when? Mm. See, I tried to bring a bit of this into my Rise of Skywalker. He did, yes. It's like, it's like, let's marry this stuff up and bring it into the foreground rather than just uh, child of child of child. Yeah, yeah, great, 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 great. Yeah, and it's it's bringing that out of... Like it's kind of dragging it out of yes, it's this one family that are the center of the force, yeah. and everything just revolves around them. I find Star Wars so much more interesting when it's not just a fucking Skywalker's yeah, hanging it. out, killing other Skywalkers. <laughs> That's why I love the Mandalorian so much. That's why I love you know Knights of the Old Republic, and mm. was so excited for that game that got cancelled that was going to be set in the like underbelly of Coruscant. Oh. Star Wars thirteen thirteen. Yeah, yeah. That breaks my heart to this day, <laughs> like 10 years later. <laughs> um, but yeah, the fact that Rogue One is off doing its own thing and we barely see a lightsaber, of course we do in that one famous scene mm-hmm. in the big moment with Darth Vader in the <laughs> in the hallway. But for the most part, it's scoundrels and people on the wrong side of the law mm. and all that kind of stuff, shooting lasers and there's an actual like battle that happens on a beach. It's very like a, it's basically a war film. Mm. We've yes. talked about this. Yes, it's essentially a war film, mm. very closely tied to mm. and influenced by certain wars. Uh, you can guess which ones um, <laughs> <laughs> in real life. And the fact that Baze Malbus, which is the other, the big guy with the gun, and Chirrut Inwe, played by Donnie Yen, are there as these weird like we're not Jedi's, but we like the Force. Mm but we don't really explain what that means or why we're there or like, and he's just kind of like this, I don't know. almost this like spiritual, almost playing like a typical kind of Donnie Yen character, but then he's actually quite chatty <laughs> and charming and funny and charming and funny. And, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's kind of playing on this like blind master kind of, and it was his choice to make him blind. Apparently, apparently so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's playing on all these kind of typical ter- stereotypes you'd expect from this kind of Kung Fu thing. Uh, all this kind of like, oh, he's very quiet and very dedicated and very religious and the classic like blind master thing, like mm. I was saying, like like Satoichi or something. And it's like, but there's something different about him. This is kind of the first time we've seen this in Star Wars. This mm. is a, a weird, unique take on the Force and what that means to people outside of here's a bunch of Jedi. Like he's not a Jedi, but he there's something to believe in here. There is there is something that fuels him and builds his faith. And... He's clearly sensitive to the whole yeah, thing. Exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, it's tapping into a lot of the influences that, of course, that yeah. Star Wars had because it was so influenced by Kurosawa and stuff like that. What? And I didn't know that. <laughs> there's almost there's almost a little bit of like original trilogy Yoda energy to him. Oh, definitely, because yeah. he's got that kind of like cheekiness to him. Yeah, yeah. a little bit of a cheekiness he's, and a he's giggle people in the head with a stick. Exactly. <laughs> And I, I agree, it's like fascinating to see because it kind of ties in 
with the whole idea of like in in the original trilogy the idea that the, the jedi has so quickly become like legend and makes sort of, no sense for the record it makes it uh, makes no sense they go from active political leaders to well, absolute legends in like 15 years it makes yeah. It only works because we see these backwater planets mm. who aren't involved in politics. Mm. There's an intergalactic... Maybe. Wi-Fi. I mean... Uh, well, <laughs> there it makes, is. It, it only makes sense if if you think about it on, like, a global scale rather than an intergalactic scale. Sure. Because it, you can have, as we have seen on Earth, dictatorships that stamp out mentions of other stuff in history. And, you know... They don't even have to be dictatorships. They just have to be governments that that decide. Oh, this stuff isn't going to be in the history books anymore. Yeah. And and twenty years ago, like if you talk about the nineties, mm. there's a lot of stuff that happened. Like, do you know there was a war in this area? Like, what? You yeah. know where they filmed Game of Thrones? Yeah. War there? Which one? Ireland or or Croatia? Both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and stuff can fade out of memory. And if you kill anyone who mentions it, you know, it, then then what legacy it, does it have? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Doesn't quite work when you've got multiple planets to rule over rather than you know a country but who knows but anyway it's it's an interesting examination of that element in the original trilogy where you go like yeah there's this there's these bits knocking around and it's it's almost kind of like cargo cult stuff where it's like there's these half remembered legends of these people who kind of in theory stood up for what was right and there was a spiritual element to it and we're going to kind of cobble together what we think that means and this person or these people clearly like connect to the the spirit that is still out there you know the the, the force and, and and so forth and it's they've kind of almost like built up a religion around that connection and the bits of knowledge that they have left over yeah keeping um, it alive in this exactly yeah and and yeah keeping it alive and trying to kindle that tiny flame and make sure that it isn't put out that's a really fascinating aspect to examine yeah i would have liked to have seen it get even more like examination well it's, it's one of those things rogue one does a lot of things and does a lot of things well so it's, some things it falters with in my opinion but mm. it gets a lot of things really really right and it's very mm. fun because why a lot of people love it so much because yeah it's dour in a way that's entertaining and positive things mm. and in all that stuff everything that's going on someone like donnie Yen's character is like shit that's memorable that's mm. like one of my favorite bits. Yeah. Um. And uh, Bodhi Rook, uh, played by Riz Ahmed. Riz Ahmed, thank you very much. Another great character. Forest mm. uh, Whitaker, less less so. He's good <laughs> in the Clone Wars. It's, there you go. Again, supporting other stuff, great. But in this, no, particular you, you just fucking hate the hero that every fucking Star Wars nerd is like. Yeah, this character wasn't good, and then somebody has to say but they were good in the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nobody <laughs> whenever you watch the Clone no. Wars, but. That's the point. There's a lot of things that really like, oh, that's cool, that's going to stand out. And there's this one character in, the, in this ensemble that's like, that's pretty cool. And I'm not saying he's the only standout, but for mm. a lot of people, that's what I was thinking about, you know, the quintessential style thing where it's like, here, a lot of people say, can you name a Donnie Yen film? And they go, oh, fuck. Uh, and if they aren't involved in anything about... In fact, if they haven't watched films outside of English language movies, they mm. might go, is he the guy in one of the Star Wars? Yes! <laughs> that guy, or if I show you a picture, oh, I know that guy! That's, I mean, that's the thing, is that outside of hong kong and 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 chinese cinema he hasn't all of the stuff that he's done in the west apart from rogue one and and blade two rogue one blade Blade two um (laughs) uh he it's not like he's been used elsewhere you know you could it wouldn't be shocking for him to show up in a in a in an mcu film 
you know, uh, just a matter of time, I think. Uh, yeah, Shang Chi too, maybe. He's in John Wick Four when it comes he's out. Get, well, he's yeah, that's, gonna, 4, that's yeah, going to be yeah. another thing where it's not necessarily going to because the people who watch John Wick probably know people Donnie Yen already. Yeah, yeah. But it's yeah, he, it's not like he's bust out into a lot of like big sci-fi genre stuff. Um, you kind of have to be on the lookout for him. To, yeah, he to, he, he operates on in the niche. Yeah, and has never really escaped said niche, arguably, no. even though he is, as I said, huge. Yeah. Yes, he hasn't had a Lethal Weapon 4, for example. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, like in the way that Jet Li did. Yeah, he, he hasn't really helmed those films. He's been a, a strong component within them. Yes. Yeah. This week's episode is brought to you by Pear. If you have a business, you need to have a website. What's the best way to get a website up and running? Choose a website hosting company that makes it simple, like Pear Networks. Pear has over 20 years of experience managing the entire digital ecosystem of thousands of online businesses all around the world. Pear makes it easy for you with do-it-yourself website building tools and features, including simple drag-and-drop page designs. And they have guaranteed US-based support technicians ready to help you whenever you need it, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Right now, when you sign up with Pear Networks, you'll receive one free month of web hosting. See for yourself how easy it is to build your website or free. Visit pair.com slash free to get your first month of website hosting for free by using the code QUICKSTART. That's pair, P-A-I-R dot com slash free. Promo code QUICKSTART and get started today. This week's episode is also sponsored by Audible, the place where you can go to get thousands of audiobooks, podcasts, comedy specials, meditations, and everything in between. It's true, Matthew. There's meditations. I believe you, Jack. <laughs> I've listened to one of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. And if you would like to go to audibletrial.com slash sequel, you can join me as a member of Audible. I've been an Audible member for about 10 years now, something like that. I think I looked up on my phone the other day. I've listened to countless audiobooks and comedy specials throughout the years, and I have a little recommendation for you all. If you're in the mood for some history lessons about the origins of Jeet Kune Do and Kung Fu and it coming over to the West in cinema and all that kind of stuff, there is a highly critically acclaimed Bruce Lee biography called Bruce Lee, A Life by Matthew Polly, which is read by Jonathan Todd Ross, and it is available for you for free, included in your Audible membership if you go to audibletrial.com slash sequel. It is 19 hours long, so that is bang for your buck, ladies nice. and gentlemen. And yeah, if you basically want to learn about the history of Bruce Lee and his life... And, you know, if we're talking about going and watching it, man, that's kind of the next logical thing, right? You learn about the history of his master and bringing Wing Chun to different parts of Hong Kong and China and, and kind of the origins of that. Learn about the next guy, essentially, in that legacy. Learn about Bruce Lee, arguably the greatest cinematic martial artist of all time. Go and learn about his life and his story. Fascinating life, really interesting legacy. And if you haven't seen some Bruce Lee movies, go and watch Bruce Lee movies because mm -hmm. he's great as well. So yeah, I highly recommend Bruce Lee, A Life by Matthew Polly and read by Jonathan Todd Ross. So we discussed how Yen has risen to the point where you're like, oh, I'm... I'm uh, yeah, it's a pretty strong currency these days. Oh, fuck me in the mouth with a fucking brick. <laughs> <laughs> More enjoyable than your punnery, sir. <laughs> if only you could see my face, listeners. I've never been more proud. He looks like an actual Muppet. <laughs> I look my, like my own spitting image puppet. <laughs> That's an inside joke. It is. Us. 
so he was on a trajectory like oh he's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, so on and so forth and he makes his own studio and hits a wall ends up like borrowing money from loan sharks it, it, really dark shit could um, almost be the setup for a donnie yen movie very much is yeah. yeah and then he goes to america to make some money basically that's where we we in the west start to get to know him essentially so he turns up in highlander endgame pause for a moment there yeah. <laughs> let that wash over you um, better than the quickening i'll say that much that's true to be fair his performance is still good he's yeah. you can go back and watch yeah. it and go actually for completionist sake of like if you want to have like a full collection of his works and go oh god i'm this it's like yeah but he's good in it yeah um he did play two as we established great performance minor minor role but still a very good problem playing. um great eyeliner great eyeliner he just the way that the schedules kind of work i think he shot hero and shanghai nights around the same sort of time um but what a weird life to leave yeah you know, in terms of release schedules. those two films yeah <laughs> around about the same sort of time yeah <laughs> hanging out with aiden gillen and all that bollocks oh god yeah and yeah the royal family yeah and also hero and making yeah one of his best Manning, movies one of the best martial Manning arts movies a, ever a, giant gatling gun God. that hasn't been invented yet on the Thames. oh yeah oh yeah then he blown up at a firework yes killed yeah. by a firework whereas he has a beautiful i'm not gonna talk about it in hero because i'm gonna spoil things but mm, beautiful mm. um anyway so then we get the 2000s and the 2000s is a very interesting weird period when we talk about how a lot of shit from the 2000s is backlash from things from the 90s and a lot of it has been really questionable and aged really badly mostly comedy however a lot of mainstream action as in Asian action cinema, really fucking good. Because off the back of a huge Korean wave, uh, Hallyu, and the uh, the rise of like J-horror and that sort of stuff, you've got a really... And obviously like, Infernal Affairs coming out in, in Hong Kong and things like that. This big, big building of things. And the 2000s comes out and it's like, okay, these movies are popular. Old, uh, old boys are really popular. And they're like, give me some really gritty, well-shot stuff. Wong Kar-wai's been shooting amazing, you know beautifully rich things give me something that's going to look pristine for decades basically um and he just bashes out action film after action film after film, and they're all pretty damn good well the films are of varying quality but the fights are astonishingly good mm. there's also some cultural factors at, at play there because mm. if you look at early 2000s you've got things becoming more and more accessible to the west um, and so DVD and things, yeah, yeah. So there's an increase in budgets because the 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 studios know, you know, if they're Hong Kong studios, they know they can sell this stuff internationally now a lot easier than they used to. And with stuff like DVD, you don't have to necessarily like pay for expensive dubbing. You can just stick subtitles on there and be like, good enough, off you go. Yeah. God, yeah, I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, that's insane how much that would transform non-English language cinema, right? Yeah. You wouldn't mm-hmm. have to get the dubbed VHS or yeah. whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mentioned this on the on the Crash and Tiger episode where it's like, you know, if, if you buy the DVD, you get both versions with all yeah, the yeah. languages. If you want Polish and German and yeah. French and everything yeah. else, at least in the European editions. Whereas if you want the VHS, you have to get the dub or the sub pick. And it takes a long time to get it out yeah. there. Yeah. Mm. In the 80s, there was a lot of anti-Japanese sentiment, which which was a sort of a, a, a morbid fascination in American cinema where it was like, we can't stop talking about japan but we also feel economically threatened by them yes. and we're going to represent that in metaphor with ninjas ninjas and <laughs> and like oh that's the biggest threat we can imagine this mm. these weapons are so it's like they're fucking field weapons but fine yeah uh, and then, again so we always misinterpret blade runner 
It's like, wow, what a cool, you know, futuristic. It's like, no, no, no. It's a world where Japan has all the big, you know, budget. Yeah. Uh, There's the, a big Atari building. Yeah. <laughs> Atari went bankrupt. Yeah. Like six months after the film came out. <laughs> and I mean, you know, it, the truth is, is like, yeah, globalism is a thing, but they were terrified of it. And it was mm. like, for example, the joke in Back to the Future. Oh, there's a problem. It comes from Japan. What are you talking about, Doc? Where all the best stuff comes from Japan. Great Scott. It's like, it's, it's mostly just like, the Japanese are good at things? Yeah, oh my yeah. god, what a risk. It's like, uh, okay. Yeah, whereas by the 2000s, that, that fear has faded. And video not... game eras come through, yeah. people are like, actually, I love my PlayStation and my Nintendo 64 yeah. and shit, like, fuck you. And we don't have the rising fear that we have now of China as the new dominant economic power. Yes. Um, so it's a comfortable period. Everyone was focused on hating the Middle East. And so, yes. uh, ah, the good old days. And so, yeah. Asian cinema was allowed to kind of like flourish a little bit in the yeah. West. Yeah, there was less threat from. Again, we should point out we don't hold these beliefs. We're talking about you know huge yes. trends, cultural from... socio global yes. constructs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 precisely. And and also, this is a time we're only talking about a couple of years after the handover from the British to the Chinese. Yes, of Hong Kong being in inverted commas handed back. Yeah, and that's still a thing. Yeah, and that's yeah. But those days it was like, oh, that's cool. Don't that forget like, how fresh that is, right? That it's the I told you the nineties. It's yeah. the plot to Rush Hour. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. focuses on yeah, that exactly. You know? So you see a lot of things coming out of this. So you'll get stuff like, and we're going to cover quite a few of these in a minute. But um, outside of the the sort of Western bits, the hints of Western things we've seen, like you know. Highlander and Blade 2 and bits and pieces of the Shanghai Knights. They're not really his big breakout. He doesn't do a, as we said, like a Jet Li, where it's like, ah, give this guy Romeo Must Die and the one. And it's like, yeah. give him the starring role yeah. in these films. He's just like, oh, he's cool. <laughs> not only is he the hero in this film, he's also the villain and several of the supporting <laughs> characters. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so he goes on to do a few action films. Uh, SPL, which I'll talk about later. Uh, Dragon Tiger Gate is pretty decent. Flashpoint. Okay, so here's the thing. We, we had one request... And it was like, ah, uh, okay. Um, JFC, John Firth Clark, the EP who has uh, requested this particular episode, said, can you guys talk about Flashpoint? And I just thought I gave a dead panel because I said, maybe. Because <laughs> I'm like, you know, tell me what to do. I mean, you literally did in this case, but that's not the point. Um, because Flashpoint is, I'm not going to lie, it's not a good film. It's, no. it's fine. And I'm, I'm being generous by saying it's fine. But... Got some good fights in it. There's some great fights in it. Yeah. <laughs> Colin Chow, who people will know as Sarah from The Matrix... Uh, sequels yeah well, yeah of course yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh Diane have some really nicely choreographed and really explosive we talk about like the impacts and the stuff. brutality of it yeah. the brutality and this is the thing about the 2000s when you get a lot of more realistically shot sort of stuff a little less elegant should we say a bit more brutality a bit more grit because that's what people want now they want that, like so to put that in perspective mm. flashpoint is 2007 that's so right it's like a year before it man but we're very much in that kind of as you said tim the kind of like Asian cinema is kind of flourishing. Like we've just had Crouching yeah. Tiger. Mm. We've just had Hero five years ago. Yeah. Like Ong Back and all that kind of stuff is happening around this sort of time as mm. well. We're mm. suddenly getting like Thai and Indonesian films being made and all this kind of stuff that are, yeah. obviously they've always been made, but they're suddenly crossing over they're to the West. They're getting enough of yeah. yeah. And uh, we're, we're also in the... We're post the Matrix yes. wire work and we're into the Bourne identity, which obviously like it's not going to have as big an impact on... Chinese cinema as it did on Western cinema, but though it, that it's five years later, those things are still going to cross pollinate, and the idea of what audiences want is going to have filtered out across the world and yeah. being like, okay, they want this more brutal, hard hitting. You know, they really want to mm. feel the impacts. They want to be close into the action type yes. stuff. I want to move through a wall. Yeah, I don't want to just see someone transition. And 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 Hong Kong cinema does this really well. 
it, it's it's the uh, the Tekken style. I want to break into the next part of the arena. Yeah, it's not <laughs> more combat like uppercut you through. Yeah, thing. yeah it's exactly. like the transitions, and it's like wow, oh wow, the transitional scenes are sometimes more impressive than the actual mm. fighting because the the kicks and punch and the blocks are like oh that's really cool. That's that's amazing skill. And then it's like someone gets grabbed by the lapels and pushed over a ledge through a, like a, a series of um wall supports through yeah. tables and, like, and then they get up and like dust each other off and, like oh. yeah it's, it's it's fantastic yeah, yeah. and then you then your bad guy or whatever jumps down from that level onto the the, the thing and you're like oh it's a whole new environment now yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah it's 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 just changing it up i think i think that the particularly the fight in flashpoint the big like colin chow yes kind of moment with donnie yen it's very mma as well mm, it's, 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 it yeah. doesn't feel like a kung fu fight it feels like this Again, we're talking about the hybrid of the Western and the Eastern styles and stuff, and how much, obviously, Bruce Lee was such an influence on bringing kind of mixing different styles and stuff, and a lot of people call him like the grandfather of MMA, because he was inventing Jeet Kune Do, he was using Wing Chun, he was using yes. grappling techniques. Speaking of Samo, that famous fight with Samo Hung in, I want to say, is that Into the Dragon? The, the the fight where they have like gloves on the beat it looks like Mortal Kombat basically and he oh, be, he beats him with yeah. an arm bar yes. beats him with an arm lock and stuff and it's like and again going back to my dad he was like that was the beginning of mixed martial arts <laughs> <laughs> that's where the UFC that's where it started right there yeah. it was Samo and Bruce Lee that's what that was yeah. and they it starts with them like choking each other and stuff they start with a few fights and kicks and then it goes into this like really gritty like you said it's kind of that transition towards the born style kind of they're grabbing each other's clothes and choking yeah. each other and as the guy's choking him he's punching him and then throws him off the ledge but he's mm. still holding the choke like yeah. over the ledge and stuff and it ends with him just choking him out yeah. there's no like big punch big kick big no. final like again bruce lee style like stamp and crack movie, of a bone or something yeah, and then like, like a proper stamp and oh! yeah exactly yeah. there's no killing blow he chokes him out. It's like, yeah. huh? That's such a simple. It makes it more somehow more threatening. Well, because so, like, it's realistic, it's slower. Right? Yeah, uh, yeah, and it's there's there's an it's, it's too slow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's cinema. Uh, not it's to not to, to stray into horny Tim territory. Oh. There's, <laughs> there's an intimacy too late to it. To it. Oh. Um, I was going to say, are we getting welcome to the UFC? Tim's, Tim. Tim's kink is to be choked out. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's the ultimate you... submission. Is that the MMA porn thing? <laughs> Tim never taps out. <laughs> That's a real thing, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Google it. With with Bruce Lee stamping on a dude, that happens off screen. You know, you just you see yes. his face in the Wah! yeah. You exactly. see his intense. Whereas with yeah. a again, with a... all down to the foley, right? With the yeah. <laughs> cracking of the bones, <gasps> or, which I yeah. which is exactly what I thought that fight was going to do. So I to put it in perspective, I watched Flashpoint because I had watched it, man, and I was like, what else has Wilson Yip done? Oh my god, I need to uh, I need yeah. to see what else this guy has done. It was the film before it, man, that he had done. Also with Donnie Yen, I was like, oh, they've done it. He's done a thing with Donnie Yen before. Oh my God, they've paired up before. This is amazing. And that's how you find things. Exactly, yeah. And I had that exact thought of like, oh, he's going to choke him out. It's And it does. It zooms in on Donnie Yen's face. And I thought we're going to hear the like, and then like, you just know that he's beaten him by the crack of the neck. And then he like, let's go. And you have that like emotional release from the character. But again, talking about Donnie Yen's acting there as well, you'd get that moment for him to act. But no, he struggles in a choke for like 20 seconds. <laughs> and he's still there kicking and like flailing. bleeding all over the place yeah. and flailing and stuff. It's really gritty and horrible. Yeah, mm. yeah because that, that's the thing is that with a, with a choke hold, with a submission or whatever, you can have both 
actors' faces on screen at the same time and you can see the one who's struggling to breathe and the one who's struggling to hold on there yeah. and you get much more of the performance and you get you know it's you're seeing everything happen simultaneously rather than yeah. you know having to do you know it's it's There's not very, much to cut away to the, yeah, yeah and and it's very difficult to see in a in a typical martial arts action scene to watch both the action and the performance on the faces almost never happens and it's mm. one this is one of the few examples where you can do that and so it yeah. feels much more like you're right there in the midst of the action yeah and jokes aside from from earlier you're right it is much more intimate it, mm. i mean i, I mean we'll, we'll have to discuss this at a later date but the idea that some of the most intense moments of say like saving private ryan mm. which is a lot of intense moments and nothing to do with donnie Yen, um is when there's two men are wrestling and there's one knife and you're like oh yeah, god yeah. that close quarters kind of battling and grappling and stuff mm, yeah is often how a lot of street fights happen <laughs> yes, as that's well the yes. other thing. dudes yeah. don't like square up to each other with perfect martial nope. arts stance and start oh i'll start with a jab and then i'll throw a leg kick and yeah. see what happens dudes just scramble at each other rip each other's t-shirts mm. and you end up just like rolling them out on the floor every fight been in looks like shit yeah, yeah yeah they're not cinematic they're not interesting and and that fight in particular from flashpoint they throw some real stupid punches. These big like, <laughs> yeah. wrestling style, like oh, the telegraphing it from a million miles. A big haymaker. Yeah. yeah, like there is no way in an actual like fight to the death or or even a martial arts competition you would throw a punch like that. And the fact that it ends with that choke, it's it's why I touched on Warrior when we did, you know, oh, yeah. all yeah. those episodes ago, and I talked about how much I enjoy that final moment with you get Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton, you get that moment where. He's beating him by submission. And again, you totally touched on there, Tim. You can see both of their faces at the same time. And you get the emotion from those characters. And he beats him by submission. That objectively proves I am better than you and you have been defeated. And it's such a different thing. It's still reasonably new in cinema that we have this kind of grappling stuff. You get all the kind of like fucking awful MMA films and I've watched them all, all the, <laughs> undisputed, the undisputed series is garbage but it's all the like he was down on his luck oh yeah he he was a down and out fighter and if he just went underground he'd finally make it but he's got to fight off the loan sharks first and there's always a fucking loan shark <laughs> they're always they're, they're basically the um character from the Mortal Kombat movie from last year mm-hmm. where it's like oh he's a down and out MMA fighter who has been fighting in an underground cage for some reason, even though there's no money in that, so I don't know why he would. <laughs> okay, you can go and fight in a barn somewhere, sure. And then they always have shitty, shitty choreography. And it's really interesting to see that now come through. Like, like I said, Donnie Yen was 40-something at that point and yeah. had been training in martial arts for like 30-something years at that point. To see him adopt more modern want a better phrase more modern martial arts styles and blending grappling and striking and all that kind of stuff is really interesting to me and see how they do that from a cinematic point of view and how it's kind of shaping cinematic fights and things like that mm. i think it's, and inter- it's real sexy <laughs> it to jump off of that i think it's interesting how for the most part when i've seen that in more mainstream action over here that isn't like undisputed or stuff like that that's that's very deliberately purposefully evoking mma 
it seems to be given to women a lot of the time because it's oh, seen yeah. as a thing. This is true. It's like, oh, well, like a chokehold, like a woman can do that and it's a way she can overpower like a bigger man. That's the whole point of Brazilian jiu-jitsu is yeah. you, the smaller man can defeat the larger man. If yeah. You, technique beats strength is the, yeah. the Hoist Gracie quote from the guy who won the first UFC tournament. Mm, yeah. yeah. Whereas like the only, to go for the mainstream of the mainstream, like obviously in, in MCU stuff, Black Widow. Like Black Widow does it a lot. The only man I can think of doing it is Ant Man, who has been taught by the Wasp, who also does that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Men throw punches and kicks. And yeah. Women choke and grapple and stuff. Yeah. E- and even though that the truth is that to kill some, I mean, this is uh, we're talking about from a cinematic point <laughs> of view. To kill a man. To kill a man. I'm not actually confessing to right, Christopher at, Lee at the minute, <laughs> taking us down the road like when you get That's stabbed. not how you kill a man. All the I breath. know how you'll kill a man. All the breath is taken for your life. Oh, I would know. It's I've so, killed many men. So terrifying and amazing. Um, Just it, like Matthew. Thank you. It's the fact that... <laughs> I'm saying that's a full-on compliment. It, it's the sense that... What's the coolest way to kill someone? Oh, like bullet. Gun. Or like a sword. Stab someone. Oh, yeah, it's cool. It's like, if you are murdering somebody about... Oh, even like a punch. They, they knock the floor over. They're dead. It's like, no. If you are literally crushing the life out of them slowly and you're feeling in your hand that they're dying that is horrifying and either you feel that which is the struggle like die please die or i'm gonna have this or you're like i feel nothing that's how you establish the character it's Uh, yeah i think that ties into the intimacy right you've got that definitely you can when you when you're shooting people with bullets especially you know we're talking about in the context of films here a kill from like a guy spraying a bunch of bullets and like fucking arnie and commando perfect example of just like topless covered in oil mm. and bullets and just murdering Feeling nothing <laughs> mur- feels nothing murders hundreds of millions of people just machine guns all over the place yeah. yet that one moment where you get donnie yen choking colin chow it's like oh that's so visceral it's so like it, it, i can't think of another word intimate is the perfect one for it because you are taking another person's life with your bare hands you're, you're fe- literally feeling it slip away yeah, yeah yeah and so often in martial arts you get the like wh- why we touched on the it man fight in particular with the 10 masters is that it feels different because so often you get one guy comes towards you he gets a punch next guy comes towards you he gets a kick next one uh slightly different punch or then he gets an elbow then the next guy gets a kick then maybe he'll get a throw yeah that's seven out of ten uh we'll do another punch and then another kick Everyone takes one blow and you'll be fine. It's like, you know, he's essentially taking these guys out of the fight because there's there's brilliant scenes in in stuff like Daredevil, that that famous hallway fight that's obviously playing off the rage and all that kind of stuff. Daredevil gets his ass kicked, but he takes out all these guys and then they slowly like, oh God, I get to their feet. Like, yeah, it's horrible. Like, he doesn't kill any of those guys. It's very difficult to punch someone to death from (laughs) a distance. Like, unless you're again in their face like on top of them on the ground and like mm. repeatedly blows to the head you can especially if you're on concrete and stuff. it's mostly how you fall down that kills yeah, you. yeah yeah that's the classic thing is like the the strike in a street fight doesn't kill you it's the blow mm. like depending on if you fall face first onto concrete or especially backwards with the back yeah. of your head or oh, that's death mm-hmm. that is that's really it's really like dangerous the first kill that uh john mcclane does in die hard yes it's just him him and a dude rolling down the stairs yes. and the dude the other guy gets the wrong end of it yeah, yeah. and you just exactly. hear it yeah oh <laughs> yeah and he's dead either of them yeah. And, yeah yeah and you get those moments where it's like oh wow like yeah he's really breaking these guys legs and breaking these guys bones and taking them out of the mm. fight and a fight to the death 
really kind of has to end with a big <laughs> like neck snap or a complete like mm-hmm. disabling of your opponent, like yeah. incapacitating of yeah. your opponent. It, or either that, or you just kick them off a ledge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's the kind of like yeah, that's that's like. Well, I didn't really kill them. Gravity does. Like sure. I was saying there is only one example I like would Batman bring up. Doesn't have to save the Joker, right, guys? Oh fuck's sake. There's only one example I can think of where like uh, like a grapple hold, but it's like oh, that's the version you see in in Vercars. Men do quite a lot in cinema, and that's drowning a motherfucker. <laughs> holding someone underwater is the equivalent to I don't know how to choke someone out but I got this big bucket of water I'm gonna kill you in this and it's like that same level of we see it in like things like Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance and things like that it's just like oh this feels there's just you get the, the fish fighting as it were it's like oh this is this is harsh and hardcore yeah mm. just to circle back to Flashpoint it also connects not to Blade 2 but to Blade 1 and Blade 3 mm. um, because they are all films where the bad guy just throws a child at a certain yes. point <laughs> Yes, <laughs> fucking. We need. Can we get that Dracula? Can we get that more in films, please? Yeah, I want, I want a supercut of villains yeah. throwing Baby children, throwing babies. Yeah, I, yeah. Oh Goddamn. God. Um, we, we actually we should we should briefly cover this because we talked about the idea of he does these action films. He does them all with Wilson Yip, as in Donnie Yen. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, uh, yeah, the films I'm talking about obviously being uh, Chapeau Lang and uh, Dragon Tiger Gate and Flashpoint and Ip Man. All the same director, act combo. Of varying quality, which is kind of frustrating, but yeah. <laughs> that's how it goes. Um, then he has a break, and he does a few period piece things, like um, An Empress and the Warriors. I think it's not too bad a film, to be honest. And uh, I say It Man starts to be the big franchise he's spinning out of quite a lot. Um, then he feels a little too typecast at one point and does Painted Skin. So Painted Skin, I'll say, for, for, for Tim's purpose, if you want to see more of a, him trying to do more comedic roles, more genre roles, Painted Skin is one of them. Um, fourteen blades as well. There's quite a bit of a comedic range being shown there, uh, and and from there he's he's at that point quite recognised. He's he's like, oh, that's Donnie Yen. That's how you're like, oh, he's in, but, but again, but still, still in that very niche community. In in the same way that people listen to this episode, go, oh, okay, that's quite interesting. I mean, he sounds quite cool. I might check out these films specifically. It's like, yeah, because we've brought it up. Whereas when you look at the episode to start with, is as as Jack I think said at the start of the episode, who? And yes, yeah, yeah. that's that. That's yep. the polar divide. You either know or you don't. And if you don't know, we're here to get you to that yeah, stage. If you do know, fuck yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's do that. Let's let's get some recommendations going. Um, let's go. Let's go in the same order we went last time, mm. just because you know symmetry. Because you like being first. Not always, Tim. Sometimes I like being last. Sometimes I like being in the middle. Jack, cut this. It's a mat sandwich. <laughs> so my recommendation, and this is a sort of like, not necessarily. Uh, the best performance or the best Donnie Yen film. We've kind of covered those ones. Um, this is, I think, where you might start if you want a specific flavour of Donnie Yen. And mine has two titles and is a little tricky to get a hold of sometimes. So, sorry. Welcome to Matthew Stogden, everybody. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Donnie Yen's filmography. It can be a little difficult I mean, to find true. his stuff, annoyingly. But yeah, so it's known as Chapeau Lang or alternatively Kill Zone. I do not care for the title Kill Zone. How dare you, sir? I won't go through, much like Hero, I won't go through the full uh, minutiae of the story, because I think it's nice to have people understand it, but I will tell you bits of it, because it's like, wait, what the fuck? Um, this is the early 2000s stuff. It's his first, uh, Donnie Yen's first role with, with uh, Wilson Yip directing. Very 2000s in terms of the action, but very clear, clean action. It's, uh, the cinematography is also really nice as well, because the era where they start experimenting with that high contrast look, but not too much doesn't go fucking full Domino the Bounty Hunter. It's just got elements of that really richness to it. So it's quite cool. Lots of beautiful colours. And Donnie Yen doesn't turn up for the first 15, 20 minutes. 
So the film's about a cop who um, is just constantly at war with this this triad mafia motherfucker and a, a real evil bastard Don sort of thing. And they're on the way to this escorting this this witness who has this evidence open, put him away, and an assassin very coldly takes out all the people in the car. And the police officer escorting thing has some glass lodged in the back of his head. So just about survives. He's like, oh God. <laughs> Except in, in typical like telenovela drama kind of thing. He 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 has the surgery and he gets glass taken out. It's like, oh, I'm gonna get revenge on this that 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 evil bastard triad man who's who's, you know, I've had this battling nemesis role with. It's like, oh, by the way, you have a brain tumor and you're going to die. And it's like, what? It's like, holy shit, what a fucking development. The triad dude is played by Sam O'Hung. And he's still just as fat. <laughs> he's, he's the best. And old now, in 2005. Um, he's old as hell in Ip Man 2. <laughs> I know. It's 2010. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. He, and as you say, like, Ip Man 2, as well. he moves magnificently oh, it's, just, it's so it's the like best. how man yeah so basically this is all preamble stuff and then they're like well this 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 detective is going to retire who's going to replace him it's fucking donnie yen yeah and he ain't trucking around no shit there's, there's some really ridiculous great story beats in it i'm not going to spoil any of them because they are just when you're looking at the thing what it's so soap opera at times it's beautiful because <laughs> it's like that is the dumbest thing but it's the coolest thing i've ever seen uh the fight sequence is a great there's a specific knife fight that is kind of legendary for being so beautifully it's like a nightstick versus a knife yep and it, it's magnificent and it's 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 that corridor thing it's just an alleyway and the camera just goes sort of they just sort of slide back and forth they don't really change sides of the screen much it's really simple but damn it's good i really want to touch on that fight because that's such a highlight of that film yeah definitely because and we kind of touched on it a little bit, but we've mostly been talking about the kind of kung fu kind of martial arts kind of stuff. Yes. But Donnie Yen with weapons. See, I mentioned with, like, Hero with Once Upon a Time in China 2. Exactly. He is so skilled. Yeah, and that the fact that it's all about the difference in length between the knife and the nightstick. And he's got this, like, police baton thing, and he's able to spin it around and basically deflect the guy's knife because the knife is shorter than the nightstick. And he's able to like balance and perfectly deflect it around and avoid being. I mean, he gets cut a couple of times, but like, <laughs> but he's able to like balance that around that you you totally believe that a guy with a piece of wood can beat a guy with a knife because of how skillfully he's wielding it and how the co- choreography ma- makes you believe. You know, every inch in the weapon matters. And the fact that that's he's the teaser got, for the he's episode, got a, by the way, Jack just saying every inch matters. Every inch matters. Listen to sequelizers. <laughs> Here at Sequizers, every inch matters. You're welcome. But the fact that he has an ever so slight reach advantage matters so much in that fight. And it's that attention to detail, again, like I touched on with the MMA stuff, so much of modern cinema gets it wrong. And there's some bullshit punch that makes no sense, or some chokehold that is not how you do a chokehold, and all this kind of stuff. When you get that attention to detail... And especially when it comes to weapons, because that is so hard to get right. You see, like take Tiger Cage, for example, and another earlier Donnie N thing. Mm. There's just fucking swords all over the place. (laughs) That's not how sword fights happen, but that's how sword fights happen on film. Mm. But this is nightstick versus knife. And you're like, that's really fucking good. You would not think that something as simple as that could be as compelling as it is. Especially as when he gets a few like 
uh, for lack of a better word, blows, and him it's a contact with him, and he's like, oh, and he's backing away. If the nightstick was in fact a knife, his opponent would be dead. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's the, it's the advantage of the reach, but the disadvantage that he essentially has like yeah. the non-lethal weapon. Essentially, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So to see. It, it, this is what's my recommendation for for you listeners um to see a range of fist fighting stuff uh gunplay swords pronounce gunpla <laughs> there's no gunpla in this film oh man sorry gundam fans i, I believe it's pronounced gun carter ah, ah. Oh, 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 oh now it's all again bit of an equilibrium here he ho ho haha yeah for that range of things and also see his emotional performance and he, again he plays a real like demon out of hell kind of thing and and seeing him against Sam Hung as well is it's, it's, that's a great fight there's so much acrobatic nature to it and to see some really over the top developments some really silly things sold to you completely straight and I'm not going to talk about the the beats as I say but the way it ends is is just magnificent it's it's quite poetic all things considered i think it's, i think it's really solid and i think people should give it a chance if you want a big old nice action drama mad experience and th- this is the thing about as well about a lot of these movies it's an hour and a half so it's not gonna eat like, 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 like the classic like oh here watch this korean movie oh is it good yeah it is it is it is two hours 45 but you know that's an episode of sequelizers probably so yeah <laughs> you've got yeah. time exactly yeah so bouncing to you Tim, what's your recommendation to jump in point? Uh, my recommendation, uh, we mentioned it earlier, but we didn't really talk about it. Mm. Iron Monkey oh, so from 1993. Yeah. Um, it. So Iron Monkey is, it's sort of a Chinese Robin Hood type story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah kind of. And it's based on, so there is a a folk hero who, a bit like Ip Man, maybe really lived probably really lived did really live but maybe didn't do all the Not things in this capacity we, we, we <laughs> yeah. claim he did uh called wong fei hung and wong fei hung is in this film but is a child and it's essentially it's like an episode from his life when he was a child donnie yen plays his father and then uh rong guang yu uh plays the titular iron monkey aka dr yang and essentially it's about iron monkey who is this kind of robin hood type figure um within a, a a wealthy province or rather the the wealthy folk the governor is wealthy the regular people are, people are poor yeah uh, uh if you want a sort of example of what that is you're probably living through it right now yeah <laughs> and then donnie yen and and his his son in the film come visiting into the province sort of get mixed up in this original uh, initially start out trying to catch the iron monkey and then become on his side it is directed by uh, Wu Ping Wan, um, who is probably best known for being the fight choreographer on The Matrix and has done a bunch of other amazing martial yep. arts films. Huge name. Um, both as a choreographer and as a director. It's just, it's gloriously silly. I first watched it as uh, an English dub version. I, I think it, it is definitely a film that is, it's a lighter entry in in Donnie and even though he plays quite a serious character in it and there's you know there's a bit where it's him yelling at this child being like do not cry men do not cry never show your emotions but then they're both secret they hug and they're both secretly crying there's a lot of lighter elements in it there's a lot of like comedy business going on with the the governor who's just a randy old man who then gets conned out of his riches and stuff like that yeah, rather than portraying him as truly evil, he's like, what a bumbling piece of shit. Yes. He doesn't deserve that. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's just a he's just a horny old man who just likes to eat. 
<laughs> we just look around the room at each other and think, hang on. <laughs> Which one of us are you talking about, Tim? Yep. It's all of us. But it, it, it dabbles in, because it's this kind of folktale element, it's dabbling in this kind of wuxia. Um, and obviously this is like pre-Matrix, so it hasn't crossed over to the, the States yet. So there's a lot of wire work. There's a lot of very acrobatic stuff. The end fight features um, the two heroes balancing on these like bamboo poles with a fire underneath them fighting off the 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 bad guy it's very cool it's very cool um it's also completely over the top like it goes into some full wizard shit at the end (laughs) there's the the wonder the shaolin wonder palm that you have to uh like you get hit with it and then you have to like bleed it out and treat it with toxins to treat the toxins that have been put into you and then the guy draws a picture of you and that causes you to die. And it's got the um, the thing that is done much more sort of poetically in uh, Hero, where you get the long sleeves coming out yes. and hitting people. Yes. Um, that's always so great. Um, so it's very over the top in that sense. And like I say, I first encountered it as the English dub which adds a whole extra layer of kind of comedy over the top because the performances are so earnest by these English voice actors and you just get like Donnie Yen just like biting into this like Chinese dumpling and then the voice actor going, ah, just like mom used to make. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is, again, it's not always, unless you've bought a very, and it happens to exist, a very nice, usually Arrow collector's edition set on Blu-ray for like £30 or 50 bucks or whatever, they're not easy to find. So if you just get it in a crappy English dub, that's what you get. Yeah, and uh, I mentioned this to the guys earlier. Like this, it, unfortunately, at the moment, is not available anywhere particularly easily. And so I was watching it on a, on a slightly dodgy copy that had that was in Chinese with no subtitles, or or rather, the subtitles did not correspond to what was going on on the screen. And so, in order to combat that, I found a poor quality rip of the English dub on YouTube, which was just a, someone has just stuck on there and it hasn't been taken down. And so I had them in two separate screens, one with the high quality Chinese version with the sound turned all the way down and another with the shitty version mm-hmm. of the English dub playing and then I had to keep because they were one was about four minutes shorter than the other and so i had to keep compensating and jumping backwards to get them to line up for the uh for the speech and the sound effects it was a very interesting way of watching a film <laughs> not not the optimum cinema experience um but at least i wasn't watching it on my phone um but no i, I iron monkey it's so much fun it's just got this real like sunday afternoon quality to it of like Let's just put put this on. It's ninety minutes. It's very silly, but the action in it is still fantastic because the choreography is so good, the direction is so good, and you've got two people who are like multiple people, I should say, who are just really, really good martial artists. And Donnie Yen, you yeah, can, it's quite early in his career. Obviously, he's still he started probably about seven or eight years ago at this point. Yeah, and he's starting to get into doing bigger roles you know he's kind of the secondary hero in this mm. um the deuteragonist mm. throw a big word out <laughs> but he's already developing that persona of that kind of quite stoic you know serious guy but yeah. you know when he rolls his sleeves up shit's going down yeah definitely and there's a weird thing because you talk about the evolution of styles and uh you know we talk about oh the, the 90s and 2000s there's only 
There's only 12 years between uh, Chapeau Lang or Killzone and Iron Monkey. And yet, just in terms of how they're shot, leagues apart. Oh, yeah. Both yeah. fucking compelling for different reasons. Both mm. really, really enjoyable. So, both mm. an hour and a half, both really cool, but mm. for different reasons, discapacities. But yeah, could, couldn't be. It, it feels like there's been such a shift. Yeah. But this guy is still at the center of it. He's still yeah. there being a powerhouse. Yeah. I would say, like, Iron Monkey feels like the best ever episode of Xena Warrior Princess. <laughs> <laughs> where, you, you, where you'd stumble across it and just be like, holy shit, this is actually really good. Yeah. But it still kind of looks, it's still got that early 90s it, sheen to it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Jack. Hello. Our final recommendation in the Donnie Yen filmography. Indeed. I'm sticking along similar lines to you, actually, Tim. I'm going to 1994. Donnie Yen is not the star of this movie, in a similar way. He's kind of deuteragonist. He's kind of the the boyfriend slash fiancé of the main character called Wing Chun because the martial art Wing Chun and she's called Wing Chun and she basically invents Wing Chun and it's about the history of Wing Chun, the martial art. It all ties together nicely. Basically, my dad think or thought, I don't know if he still does, thought Wing Chun was like the best thing in the world because he, he was a white guy who loved martial arts films and mentioned it earlier, like the whole Wing Chun is illegal in MMA. Like there's this whole thing where like it's too deadly to do in street fights because Wing Chun is just the killer martial arts or whatever. My dad was that guy. Mm. And he saw a film <laughs> that was called Wing Chun. He was like, oh my God. And yet funnily, because they, they touch on it in Ip Man, because he's a Wing Chun practitioner yep. in that, where they're like, Haha, it's a martial art invented by a woman. Exactly. Yeah. How good can it be? Oh no, you're kicking our ass. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, it's the most deadly martial art of all. Yeah, so basically this is kind of the origin story of that martial art. And I haven't mentioned the, the central actor here. Yeah. Because it's fucking Michelle Yao. Yeah, it is. And she's amazing. Yeah. I want you to go and Google... Or search on YouTube more specifically. Wing Chun Tofu Fight. Yes, yes! Because it's the best fucking scene. Yeah. As a man who is a lifelong vegetarian, I've eaten a lot of fucking tofu in my life. And I've never seen tofu look more exciting than when <laughs> Michelle Yao is fighting off a bandit and trying to stop him from ruining her tofu. Basically, she's a tofu saleswoman. And these bandits come in and basically try and like marry her off and be like, oh, you're a young woman, you'll... You'll do, basically. I'll make a good woman out of you and all this kind of bullshit. And it's really weirdly feminist for a film for, like, the early 90s, especially coming out of Asia and what, you know, the stereotypical perception of Asia at the time from us coming in the West and stuff like, oh, yeah, you know, we're so feminist in the West, but Asia doesn't treat their women properly and all this kind of stuff. Michelle Yao can tell you to fuck off and then kick you in the head. This was the classic thing, wasn't there? quote was, like... Jackie Chan thought women belong in the kitchen until she kicked his ass. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And yeah, Donnie Yen basically shows up to, I say defend her, help her in the fight, because she can fucking handle herself. She's amazing. And yeah, this fight scene in particular with the tofu is, it's on a table in the middle of a room, and the guy is like, hey, you're a woman, come and be my wife. You don't need to bother with all this tofu stuff, you can come and cook for me. And goes to wreck her tofu shop. And this crowd of people start gathering around as she meticulously balances this plate of tofu from table and she fucking catches it on her leg at one yeah. point. She does the whole like split straight up in the air. He like kicks the table, 
breaks the leg, she catches it with her foot, flicks it the plate the up. elegance to the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. It, I don't mean just because, oh, because it's a woman. It's like, it, no, because it's Yuen Wu-Ping directing again, and he does this with anyone who happens to be on screen fighting. Yeah. Everything has an elegance to it. It's so good. that it, it, There's moments of balance, and I mean that literally in terms of like, you can't believe the agility of the people on screen and... Again, there is some wire work. Of course there is. They're, they're leaping from buildings and all that kind of stuff. But those moments where they're just like fighting in courtyards and then one of them does the splits, you're like, holy shit. They just jumped and did landed in the splits while fighting off two other guys. And yeah, the tofu fight scene is like one of my all-time favorite. Like, this shouldn't work. But this is fucking brilliant. This is so stupid. Um, and yeah, Donnie Yen is basically, uh, he plays a character called Pok To and he's... Wing Chun's eventual husband, not at this point, but boyfriend at the time, and comes in and just kicks so much ass. And the bandits, like the two main bad guys, are essentially like they're kind of comic relief. They pull really stupid faces when they get punched, <laughs> and it's got that similar kind of lightheartedness that Iron Monkey does. It's this weird kind of amazing martial arts, and then rom com type bollocks yeah. between the two of them just <laughs> hanging out and her kind of has that Mulan thing of like I'm a woman in a man's world and I need to prove myself kind of thing and Michelle Yao as we've already said is fucking amazing and Dolly Yen just throws kicks punches there's some a couple of amazing sword fights in there as well that are just fantastic lots of like spinning there's the swords it's not quite a falchion but it's the thing with like tassels on the bottom and they're like spinning around through like these market stalls and stuff and battling through this market place basically and there's all these banners and stuff being cut by the sword so there's all these like ribbons and banners flying about all over the place it looks amazing for how incredibly low budget and it's just like four people punching and kicking and swinging swords at each other basically but it's so much fun and it's like if you i think iron monkey and and wing chun are like a perfect like accompaniment to each other if you want to delve back into the kind of lighter hearted 90s kind of Donnie Yen stuff and again he's not the main character of either one but he plays such a key role in both and the fact that Michelle Yao is just there proving that she is the baddest motherfucker around and as you said like even proving to people like Jackie Chan who as we talked about a couple of years beforehand she was in Police Story 3 yes exactly and it's like you can't do this and it again so frustrating because she was gonna be in a spin-off from Bond after tomorrow never dies and it's like well you know because we can do a multi-franchise thing obviously you know that's not gonna happen now um we, we, it's, it's also not alien to us now like oh here's a film we're gonna have other things spinning off like yeah because she was and is remarkably capable and incredibly entertaining to watch yeah it, it, it's interesting the donnie and films around this period do feel like they got him on to play a smaller part and then they were like, holy shit, this guy's good. We need to rewrite this part there to give him is. more Definitely to do. Definitely how it feels. Yeah, like, absolutely. give him another fight. Have him do some more stuff. Like, yeah. you know. We be- can't rewrite the entire story, but we need to put something else in here. Yeah. yeah. We need like 15 more minutes of screen time of that guy. Yeah. What's your name again? Donnie Yen? Okay, yeah. You come over here. Yeah. Donnie Yen is the T-Rex in Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I can't, I can't not bring back the T-Rex at the last minute. Yeah. Like, he's too fucking awesome. Well, she in this case. Too fucking awesome. Um, and I, I must admit, I have a huge nostalgia for 90s martial arts movies. Be- but I was worried it was pure nostalgia. I worried it was like, oh, that's clearly just because it was the first stuff I got into alongside the 70s things I was getting into as well. It must just be because that's what I was first exposed to. I'm looking back and thinking, 
Nah, the action's really nicely done. The cinematography's great. The choreography's amazing. It's actually just really, really good. But you're right, there is that element, that hint of levity to everything. Well, not everything, but a lot of things. Even when something is remarkably serious, the stakes feel, for lack of a better word, floatier than they would be in the 2000s. It's like, now everything is to play for. Like, everything's really gritty. There's blood everywhere. It's like, same thing, but it's like, no, no. It's presented differently. Well, it's when Jackie Chan was at the height of his That's powers, so true. he's going to influence the kind of films that are being made and what people want to see. And that yeah. that was very much the style at the time of like, yeah, we're going to show you some amazing action, but there's going to be some jokes in there, you know, and it's going to be mm-hmm. it's going to be family friendly and it's not going to feel, you know, you're not going to feel too bad if you show your six year old this. Yeah. Uh, well, again, classically with Jack, I imagine, as a young boy being shown stuff by his dad, it's like. I can't show you that. That's actually a little too violent. And yet, mm. for example, today, if you had the same equivalent of, f- for whatever reason, Jack has acquired a small child <laughs> <laughs> and is showing this child martial arts films, you could get. I might a... do that to my nephew. You never know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what. So through that circumstance, it could be the sense of like, um, to show them things like Once Upon a Time in China. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on here, but it wouldn't be as brutal. I say like, okay, we're gonna show you the raid. It's like, ah, I don't. It, I'm, it's a complete digression, but it's worth bringing up. Someone asked me a little while ago. Uh, said, "Oh, my kids are getting into a lot of really interesting older stuff and Asian cinema and things, and they like Godzilla. Where should they start?" And I'm like, uh, and you get really. It's like, right, okay. How old are they? It's like, well, one is five and one is seven. Uh. How are they with subtitles? Not good because I want them to read at different speeds. Shit. And th- how do they find the older stuff? Eh, a little bit hokey. And then you end up saying, I think the answer is the fucking 98 Godzilla and I hate myself for that. <laughs> um, because that's it's the gateway, man. It's the most accessible it, one. For them and that mm. age and that audience. And then people say, that, no, no. Hey, say era stuff. It's like, yes, yes, yes. But, and the same thing with, with martial arts. In the 90s is a really good gateway because it's not an, as, as brutal in certain ways, because there's mm. that, that jovial element to it. Whereas I'm saying like, you know, mm. with, uh, with Killzone, it's like, that's, that's when you're already at a certain point that you want a different thing. Mm. <laughs> and there's also, you know, you could almost say that with something like Hero or House of Flying Daggers, that because those are, they're bigger, they're more epic, they're longer. Yes. You know, you kind of want the grounding in the, the fundamentals so you can understand why those films are so unique. And yeah, why they yeah. stand out, and you know, even stuff like Red Cliff and stuff like that. Oh, mm. you know, yeah, goddamn, yeah. five hours of glory. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, you 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 want to understand, like, okay, well, this is what was being pumped out. Now here is the prestige version. Of yeah, that. exactly. It's exactly. like the people who go, like, oh, first comic, you should read Watchmen. It's like, no, it doesn't make sense if you don't have the context of like Precisely. what was going on at the time. Yeah, you can't appreciate how it's been subverted into. It's 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 the. Can we have a Robin Hood film? You have to have a straight Robin Hood film before you can have a subversive, like gritty Robin Hood film. Yeah, it? because otherwise, as you say, how can you subvert things and show you the subverted version until you've seen the clean straight version? Yeah, it's like. Yeah, that's now you know what what's built on. Now you can see the rules being changed. We still mm. have to learn the rules. Yeah, yeah. But Donnie Yen, genuine superstar now. Yeah, but as we said, to certain people, can't think of him ever. And again, it you know part of it is because he has kind of been unable to break out of his niche, and you know, who knows what the future holds for him and and, yeah. and stuff like that. But I can't think of a bad Donnie Yen performance. No, same. I, no, I, yeah, I, I mean, there's so. a. He's not the world's most versatile actor, mm. but you know when 
he shows up, the thing that he's going to do, he's mm. going to do well. In the early 80s comedy stuff, it's hard to grade him on that stuff. because. It's, but I still think there's a lot of entertaining things. Uh, in The Line of Duty 4, for example, as well, as another, another keen example of um, the, the classic cops versus mm. villains kind of thing and and he, he he's transitioning from comedy to, to action role stuff but they're not bad they're of the time yeah and he's and, doing the role and even shanghai nights which we absolutely pilloried and there said we like go. it's terrible like donnie yen's not bad in it he comes just, out unscathed yeah he's just very underwritten and the film around him is bad <laughs> There are, there are a lot of actors like that with like Denzel Washington. They're going to fucking range here. Donnie Yen, Denzel Washington, and a fucking rock. Um, <laughs> but those three, as just as, as a brief example, they rarely give a bad performance. Yeah. They yeah. always come out and everyone goes like, oh, that was dog shit. Oh, yeah. Do you think that the rock will never work again? Is Denzel done now? Are you fucking kidding me? They were fine. No, they, they, they if anything, saved that film. Yeah. Same thing with Donnie Yen. Well, that is some highlights of the illustrious career of Mr. Donnie Yen. Like I said... Go and check out basically all of these movies. If you really want to get into the old school stuff, we've got some options there. If you mm. want to check out the more modern stuff and get in through, even if it's just through Star Wars and appreciating him there. Yeah. He's a small part, but he's great. He's consistently great. And yeah, there's a reason Jonathan Verklark picked him for the Patreon pick, basically. I believe it's his favorite actor. Yeah. I, I know he's trying yeah. to hunt down all the, like everything. He wants the entire oeuvre on Blu-ray, I believe. Oh, wow. He ain't going to get it. No. Not anytime no. soon. Because it's just too hard. No. You, you, no, you're finding like drunken Tai Chi and Blu-ray and stuff. Like uh, you'd be again. So a lot of these uh, niche, not publishing houses, but distributors yeah. can get a hold of these prints. So maybe, like, but it will cost you. Money, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, JFC, for picking Donnie, and it was really interesting to kind of see our different sides and our different experiences with him throughout his career, throughout the last forty years, pretty much. But we all knew who he was, and we all liked him. Yeah. That's, that's the key thing. That's yeah, the yeah. thing. Yeah. Wasn't that like, oh, God, who's this guy? Yeah. Which sometimes I do, and I'm like, mm, no, I don't recognize that guy. But most of the time here on Sequelizers, it, it, like, you guys mm. cast an actor, and you're like, oh, it's this guy. I've been like, what? I'm here on my phone, like, oh, that guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember him. He was in John Wick, or he was in this, or sure. he was in that, or whatever. Like, yeah, he was in that Star Wars movie. Hopefully you guys are now a lot more aware of Donnie Yen. Go out mm. and check it out. Like we said, the whole It Man series is currently on New K Netflix. If you are one of our British listeners, if you're in America, I don't know, go and <laughs> go and search. You'll find something. It might You'll be, be fine. easier to get stuff over there. Probably, yeah. It's probably on... I mean, you guys have a million streaming services. You'll find mm. something. Mm. I'm sure there's plenty of stuff on there. I know a lot of the Bruce Lee stuff is on Amazon Prime Video at the moment as well. If you do want to get into Bruce mm. Lee and through that way and the legacy of It Man and all that kind of stuff. It all connects. There's lots of different options for getting into kung fu movies if we haven't already convinced you over the last two hours. Uh, tough. Go go, go and watch it anyway. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a good starting point. And the key thing is, and this is kind of what our experience has been respectively, no matter what you get a hold of, he'll be good in it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Even Shanghai Nights, which we fixed we in the last We do recommend you go watch Shanghai Nights. We don't, don't watch Shanghai Nights. Definitely not. He's yeah. still he's still all right, apart from the well, apart from the firework bit. But that's not his fault. That's his fault. None of none of the bad bits are his fault. He's put in a very weird situation. Yes, he's great. Don't watch Shanghai Nights. If you learn anything from this episode, <laughs> don't watch Shanghai Nights. <laughs> if you want to help us and the list and your fellow listeners find more Donnie Yen films and where they are available on streaming and stuff, please feel free to recommend it to to the. 
please feel free to recommend it to each other. I'm sure it's going to explode on the Discord when this happens. Uh, oh, there will be a lot of like, oh, you got to see this. Here's oh, a couple of links. And... I can't believe they didn't talk about this, which we get all the time. Oh, yeah, let's on these get that out right, right yeah. fucking now. We didn't cover every right aspect now, of his... two hours into this podcast. Right now, at the end. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't cover every aspect of his life. We didn't cover every... I can't believe this iconic moment where he broke fucking Mike Tyson's hand. La, 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 la. It's like, yes, he yes, did. yes. Mike Tyson broke his finger. Yeah. yeah. Uh, everyone's on, worried on Donnie, about on Donnie Yen's elbow. Everyone's worried about Mike Tyson because like, Mike Tyson's a real fighter. Yeah, and basically everyone who's ever worked with Donnie Yen was like, he's legit. And the the reason there's so much MMA in his films is because he trained mixed martial arts for yes. years, and is a massive UFC fan, and is often seen in the crowd of UFCs. Yeah. And they cut, you know, they did the classic like. Who's oh, the, the celebrities like, are here, folks. Yeah. Blah, blah blah, and they cut to the crowd, and there'll be Donnie Yen doing the whole like holding the fist up pose that everyone does, and yeah. He, I think he said it was an interview like a few years ago. He was talking about it and like he's seen every UFC event basically. That's insane. I mean, I have as well. So. That's insane, <laughs> Jack. You're insane. It's like two hundred and sixty something at this point. Oh, that's not that crazy. I've seen more. I've, I've literally seen three times as much Naruto. <laughs> yeah, but these are three, four hour, five hour shows sometimes. Sometimes so is Naruto. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's true. Um, but yeah. If you do want to join in that conversation, you can go to the Discord. You can find that through sequelizers.com. You can also find all of our live streams there. There's loads of stuff. There's all conversations on the Discord. All different topics we cover on the live streams. We're doing director breakdowns with special guests every month. And uh, yeah, we've got guests planned for the next few months. We've got cool crossovers happening with other podcasts you've already heard us cross over with m from verbal diorama we've crossed over with rich from unequal sequel we will have dave from unequal sequel on later on in the year as well we've got a lot more crossovers with people like modern escapism and fundamentals and other filmmakers outside of the podcasting realm as well all that to look forward to on the live streams and of course the interseason continues for the next couple of months basically for you guys and uh we'll eventually be back with season 10 later on in the year but yeah there's lots of cool stuff and interesting stuff and of course patreon exclusive bonus episodes happening throughout the interseason as well i love it when someone joins like like the the, the 10 pound tier and they're like great i can finally support and say like, thank you so much that's very great again if you can't not a problem at all if you can that's fantastic and they're like oh it says here there's some extra content i'm like oh you have no fucking <laughs> idea so like, i listen to all the sequelizer stuff yeah <laughs> you're in for a ride yeah son. and then you realize yeah. how much there's and it's only been like i mean majorly over the last two years how much there is there's a bit of smattering of this earlier stuff yeah with with smart takes but since we've gone weekly since oh, the God. beginning of 2020 yeah. it's been yeah pretty, yeah every <laughs> episode has an outtakes or the end season has like three or four full <laughs> episodes since we had more work to do on the show we've produced more work <laughs> <laughs> true exactly exactly well, like I said, you can go to sequelizers.com. You can find all of that stuff. You go to patreon.com. You can find basically the back catalogue of all of the extra content and all that good stuff. You can follow me on social media. I am JLW Chambers. I also host a podcast about SEO and digital marketing, which is the Search with Candor podcast, if you want to search that. Or you can go to search.withcandor.co.uk. You can find it there very easily as well. Join me and my colleague Mark. We talk about basically what we do for a living. <laughs> <laughs> but in podcast yeah. form so yeah it's a lot more i'd say a lot more formal a bit more formal there's l- less sweary and it's more like half an hour and not two and a half hours so <laughs> <laughs> easily digestible and it comes out on a monday so if you're going to work and you need a quick little update on the digital marketing universe yeah. a nice little half an hour commute wake up in the morning listen to it first thing on a monday kind of thing hmm. 
and we're just launched basically with on with the new season with me joining as a co-host so nice get in on the ground level people upgrading the the audio quality very much so yeah jack bringing yeah. his his podcasting knowledge yeah, yeah yeah exactly and building a podcast studio basically from scratch in a cupboard nice in our office <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you can go and search that of course i will post links on my social media and all that kind of stuff matt how can people follow you on the internets? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. You can go to the redrighthand.co.uk and read my reviews. You can go to cheesemint.com and see the things that I have made. Tim, if I was to challenge you, you fucking beautiful grandmaster, where would I be able to find you? Hmm? At the end of the road? Hmm? Do you not come out into the street so I can see what you're doing? Uh, no, I never leave my room. So if you want to challenge me, you'll have to go onto Twitter and summon me there. Uh, I am Summon you like a demon? Yeah, trivia <laughs> underscore lad. Uh, on Twitter, that is where I post anything that I'm interesting that I'm up to, and a bunch of uninteresting things that I'm up to as well. <laughs> you guys all doing the Wordle stuff? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Tim and I are knee deep in Wordles. I don't know what it is, and I don't care. I've been going back and forth. <laughs> I've seen Tim. We've talked about it a couple of times. We're talking with the Super Eight Bit Power Hour guys. Yeah, with yeah. You yeah. and Tom. I've seen. I've seen the conversations you've been having. I just assume it's Tron. <laughs> it's Tron. It's all Tron. Yeah, I assume you're on the Tron. grid because yeah. there's a grid. Yeah. <laughs> therefore, it's, it's, Tron. it's Tron World. And there are many cars. Warships. <laughs> do we do we do we do words in meow, different languages? <laughs> yeah, exactly. If, if in doubt, it's Tron. Yeah, that's all I can see. I don't care. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for joining us this week. And we're back next week. I know I say this a lot. We're something completely different. Goddamn Jack. It's very different. Interseason stuff is gonna be very different. That's always is. always is. Yeah. Hmm. See you then, listeners. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.